Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take, and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take, all one word, in the promo box, and you'll be eligible to win $100, courtesy of My Take Radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 156, for Thursday, September 27th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that number, 347-324-3541. If you want to hit up our feedback line with any questions, concerns, or any criticism, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, we got a lot to discuss, and a lot of crazy things happened this week, and we got two guests calling in. Ben is coming in for the MMA segment. We got Jay Santee from Pro Slam World joining us to talk some wrestling. We got your video game news. We got your movie news. Well, we have your entertainment news. But first off, want to get some housekeeping out of the way. We do have some some bad news to share with you guys, and I'll get to that in a minute. But... Something really crazy has been happening. Um, You know, we have a a very good following on Facebook, and I actually received an email from Facebook recently regarding um, their algorithms that they're changing regarding fans. Now, what's happening is that people are not using their real names and using aliases, and this isn't only for me, but this is even for you guys that may have an alternate Facebook account Um, under an assumed name if you guys are using facebook accounts under an assumed name they will be deleting them no questions asked if there's certain modifiers and certain algorithms that are not in sync with everybody else on facebook your account will be deleted reason i say that is because i noticed a couple of people that have you know a personal and a and a business facebook set up and their accounts were deleted earlier this week and then you know i messaged somebody on facebook with in regards to you know i just sent it through their regular contact us link and they said that they are changing the algorithm for that uh this was also reported on the verge um a couple of other sites as well i believe joystick also may have covered it kotaku also just uh to keep that in mind in case you got an alternate facebook account 
And what's been happening as a result of that is fan counts have been changing all over the place. I think Texas Hold'em Poker lost like 96,000 fans. It's just been rampant madness across the board. So I figured I'd let, not only that, I figured I'd let our listeners know who have extra accounts and also just for anybody else that runs a page like I do that is experiencing some weird jumping around back and forth. That's the reason for that. Also, I want to let you guys know, of course, in two weeks we are supposed to do what we are supposed to have, the New York Comic Con, which we have done for the last couple of years, as well as the Big Apple Comic Con. And um, this year they changed things a little bit. They made the requirements a lot stricter, obviously because numerous people were taking advantage and acquiring press passes in a dubious manner. Not only that, but they were also acquiring them and selling them. I only say that because I know a couple of people. I'm not going to name names for this, but I know a couple of people that got extra passes and did sell them. So those people, they know who they are. Nonetheless, we, myself, Slick, Andrea, and Josh all applied. Um, It was our intention to do the show with a four-person team, primarily for photos, Also, we were going to really expand our video coverage this year, given that we made some great enhancements to our equipment. In addition to that, of course, we had set up meetings, appointments, etc. with the understanding that we would be getting our approvals, which we should have received, uh, the, you know, by the end of the month. Turns out we received our emails Sunday night. And those emails pretty much said that we were not going to get press credentials to cover the show this year. Obviously, it really sucks. Uh, You know, to say that I was livid would be putting it mildly. Uh, Andrea and Slick can attest to my mood for the last couple of days in regards to that. And you know what it is? You can't appeal it. They said it. it's one and done. Once they make the decision, that's it. And then, of course, they tell you, oh, we invite you to attend the show as a fan. I have a couple of issues with this. New York Comic Con tickets, especially closer to the show date, sell out immediately. Not only do they sell out immediately, but most of the passes that people strive to get are the multi-day passes, three-day and four-day. And they're usually gone within weeks. And the closer you get to the show, the, 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 the harder it is to get those tickets. Anyway... Due to that, and the fact that we, you know, we didn't get approved for our credentials, obviously we're not going. But, you know, Slick is going to go because he has some people going that are coming in from out of town, and he's going to go, and he actually managed to find a ticket. He had to run all over the place to to get one, and luckily for him, he, he got lucky and he did get a ticket. But the fact remains that we are not going to be covering it. I am extremely mad. And like I said, we I, I sent an email to the press office and to one of our contacts at New York Comic Con, not so much requesting an explanation because the email that was sent out was incredibly generic. They didn't even pinpoint why they didn't give us the credentials. It was just super generic. It was like, your press credentials may not have been approved because of X, Y, and or Z, or this, or that. Like, there was no, hey, you didn't get approved because of X. No, it was just multiple choice as to why you may not have gotten approved, which, like I said, it pissed me off. And it also pissed me off because one of the things that happens with the New York Comic Con, it's happened with San Diego, it's happened with the Big Apple Con, 
countless other conventions, um, was the fact that people are covering more than just comics. San Diego Comic-Con now is video games, movies, comics. You have wrestlers doing signings. Uh, sometimes you have fighters show up depending on what they're working on that co- that corresponds with any of those genres. So if there's anybody out there that encompasses that, it's us. I'm not saying it to be to say I'm we're better than anybody else out there, but we know this shit inside and out. Wrestling, mixed martial arts, entertainment, movies, TV, video games, comics, collectibles, technology. We got a person for every aspect of of those genres. And of course, that's what annoyed me, especially because certain certain other outlets that were credentialed, whether they, you know, and I and I know some of these people personally, so I'm not I'm not shitting on them completely, but I also know for a fact that they're part of the copy and paste regime, which is, you know, oh look, look at this great article on Kotaku. I'm going to excerpt it and I'm just going to continue to bombard my readers with duplicated content. Look, we may not crank out 25 articles a day, 50 articles a day, but what we do put out there is usually opinion-based, original, and even if we do have to source something, it always has that MTR spin on it. So that's something that, like I said, really annoyed us, especially, like I said, especially me, just because we, we made great investments, uh, we got really good video gear, we got recorders, we got enhancements, you know, I got an SLR now, which I was super excited to use, especially for video, wireless mics, you name it, we were ready to rock and roll, we were gonna, we were gonna blow shit up, and then, of course, you know, it's, it's the embarrassment of having to tell all those people that are going, that you're making appointments with, whether it's for publishers like, like DC or Dark Horse, and they're like, hey, you know, we're, we're on, right, when you come in on Thursday, and you're like, nah, we're not, it's just real unprofessional. You know, I, I felt like a complete jerk off telling these people, hey, you know, they didn't credential us for whatever reason. And the worst part was I sent some of these people the email and they got back and they're like, really? They're, none of this applies to you guys. And I'm like, well, that's how it goes. But I figured I would share. I would kind of open up with that only because, like I said, it was it was disheartening. And um, we're we're going to bu- we're going to bust our ass and continue doing what we do with MTR to the point where we won't need to actively go crazy to be credentialed because it'll be a no-brainer at that point. One thing I do have to say is that for those of you that work hard, that I know personally, that are covering the event, and you guys are, are great people, I look forward to seeing your content. As for me, I'm staying my ass home. Part of it is because, you know, I'm mad. The other part is because there's no way that I'm going to get a ticket for the days that I want to go. Yeah, sure, you could probably get a Saturday ticket for 50 bucks. But do you guys have any idea what an ocean of humanity it is Saturday? Not only that, but the worst part is I can't go as a fan anymore. Because this is my job. Even as a fan, I'm going to go and walk up to people and take photos and try and, 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 and hustle and work. Because that's that's just the ethic that we have here. That applies to Slick. That applies to Andrea. That applies to Josh. We all hustle. And we can't just go there and shut shit off. I know for a fact that Slick is going to go and he's going to come back every day and be like, yo, I saw this or I took pictures of this or I met this or I because I know him. He, he, he doesn't shut off and neither do I. It's just the way it is. 
back to life. But that's the scoop regarding that, and I figured you guys would want to know. Also, we are making some further enhancements on the MTR back end, especially leading into next month. Of course, next month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and after a lot of thinking, I decided that I may do some stuff for Coleman for the Cure, probably another Brawling for Boobies because that's our thing, and it's just a matter of picking what games we want to use. I'm thinking um, probably the Marvel vs. Capcom Origins, maybe Tekken Cross Street Fighter, and um, you know Marvel vs. Capcom 3, most likely. Some people are asking about Persona or Tekken, or Dead or Alive 5. So there's a a lot of different things we can do, and hopefully if all goes according to plan, I'll start announcing some dates. Um, This year we may do it a little different. Uh, If people want to play, they're invited to play, but we're not going to make it mandatory for you to donate in order to play, but we would like you to do so, just because that's that's the whole point of the fucking event. Um, I figured... If I don't strong arm anybody, which I shouldn't have to, then maybe things will go a little bit different this year. But again, this is all, I'm almost 90% certain we're going to do it. I have to talk to my contacts at Susan Coleman before we do it, but it's almost 90% certain that we are. Um, in addition to that, you're going to start seeing some some pink touches on MyTakeRadio.com. Before anybody goes and says, oh, you know, why are you making the site pink and blah, blah, blah. I have a personal interest in breast cancer awareness for a multitude of reasons. For those of you that know me personally, you know why. For those of you that have heard the episodes since the beginning or since the early days, you know why. There's no sense in in beating up the topic, but um, it's a a personal issue near and dear to my heart. So, you know, we're going to try and do something. And wherever the chips fall, that's how it's going to be. In addition to that, we're probably also going to try and just start doing regular community game nights. Now that we have some capture hardware, I'm sure you guys that have been following us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash my take radio TV. will see that we are not only posting episodes of MTR on there, but we're also adding uh, special segments, uh, blast from the past. We started with WrestleFest. I may be recording another blast from the past tomorrow, either with aliens versus predator, the arcade, or maybe punisher, the arcade game. Uh, we're still we're still on the ropes about that. Either one of those two may be the one that we're going to go with, unless I go in a completely different direction, maybe some Samurai Showdown or something along those lines. But again, we really like doing that stuff. The, the video is still a bit of a learning curve. Um, I've been doing some commentaries. For those of you that saw the NBA, the NBA 2K13 video, and even... Um, some of the, uh, the WrestleFest video, you'll see that I'm not going to sit there and talk to you guys the entire duration of the video because you guys are tuning in to watch the gameplay, so we're not going to do that. Regarding live streaming, a couple of guys have asked me on Twitter, when am I going to pull the trigger on live streaming? Um, I'm hoping to have a live stream running within the next two weeks. I'm still learning how to use like XSplit and all that stuff. Once I figure it out and master it accordingly... I'm going to try and stream at minimum once a week, depending on what it is, maybe twice. Seeing Again, this is all tentative right now, but we are going to do some streaming. Um, if, if Brawling for Boobies comes together nicely and we get the streaming down pat, you'll, you'll start seeing some of that as well. Uh, we got tons of new content on the site, of course. We got a, a review for the Avengers Blu-ray, Slick Reviewed, uh, The Dark Knight. We got some stuff from Ben regarding UFC 152. 
Andrea has some stuff up, and we're going to put up some more stuff from Marvel and also from Image. We got some stuff there, and we're going to do some guest bookings within the next few weeks, so be on the lookout for that. Last but not least, uh, to wrap the housekeeping up, we did record some new My Take Radio Beyond the Mic interviews. Uh, Obviously, the one for Roxer already went up. If you have our app, you probably got to check out the one with the Gamer Goddess and also the ones from Project Triforce. Those are going to be released to the public. They should have been released earlier, but we were having some technical issues on that and getting the audio reconfigured to release to the public, but we got that taken care of, and a WordPress plugin that's going to handle that should be making it a lot easier. Last night, I got to speak to Adam J., who does Adam J.'s superhero photography, For those of you that follow us on our Facebook fan page, you'll see that I share a lot of his work. He is a tremendously talented individual, super nice, uh, one of the the coolest Brits I've met in a while, Uh, probably probably second to to Hayden from Darksiders, but he he does great work. Uh, His newest photo shoot is a female Silver Surfer photo shoot that I'll be putting up on our Facebook fan page later on this evening, and I'm also going to put up some of his work on MyTakeRadio.com as well. He's also working on a new photo shoot, which should be up in a couple of, probably within a a couple of weeks, which is the Incredible Hulk versus Venom. And if you've seen the work he did with his Venom photo shoot before, this is going to be on a whole other level as well. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Of course, Adam J. Superhero Photography, you can find the links on our Facebook fan page, and you can look for it on Facebook as well. His interview will probably be up later on this evening once we complete our live broadcast. There were a couple of edits because we had some technical difficulties, but be on the lookout for that and all the links for his work. All right, so tonight we're going to talk a little about we're going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter UFC 152. We're going to talk about Raw, and I got a story, a great wrestling story for you guys. And um, Jay Santi from Pro Slam World will be joining us not only to kind of help us flesh out the story I'm going to share with you guys. But we're also going to talk about some wrestling news, and we're also going to talk about the independent wrestling scene. Obviously, Jay, being a correspondent for Pro Slam World, can lend some great insight into that aspect of professional wrestling. We got all your gaming news, and we got your movies as well. So without further ado, let's get the ball rolling with some MMA. So before I bring Ben on, I'm I'm drinking this new Monster Energy Zero Ultra. This is not a plug. And it's in a white can with uh, some really crazy designs on it. And it is probably the strangest tasting energy drink I've drank in recent memory. Um, drank, I don't even think, is a fucking word. But anyway, nonetheless, it, it kind of tastes like watermelon and like uh, 25 cent quarter waters. For those of you guys that know. And the only reason I say 25 cents is because... Even though we call them quarter waters now, they're no longer 25 cents either. Anyway, it tastes like watermelon and quarter water, and it is in a freakishly cold white can. And for some reason, it makes my mouth feel very numb. So if I end up talking like I just got out of the dentist, that would be why. Note to self, don't drink this shit anymore. (laughs) Anyway, let me bring Ben on because we got a lot to discuss. Ben, my friend, welcome back. What's up, man? Man... 
UFC 152, the 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 negative response for the Ultimate Fighter. So much to talk about, but let's get let's get into 152. Of course, your boy Johnny Bones Jones went in there taking care of business. But before we get into his fight, I just want to pluck out a couple of fights that I want to talk with you about. Uh, Vinny Magalhaes, of course, came back to the UFC, took taking out Igor Porkryats. Um Magalhaes looked good in the first round, but Porkryats definitely was ready to fight. He was engaging. He was striking really well. And as soon as it went to the ground, it was game over. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Speaking of Igor Porkryats, I don't understand why you would take... Because he took Vinny Magalhaes down. Yep. That's what got him tapped out. That was idiotic. And, and it's funny because on, on his Twitter, uh, I believe, like, uh, Sunday, he was like, if I wanted to grapple, I would have went to a grappling match. Well, you took him down. What, what does that make? You took him down. Vinny Magalhaes is literally, like, one of the best, if not the best, uh, competition grapplers to be in MMA outside of uh, Barillo uh, Estimate. So, you take him down was stupid. And... Eagle Pokry got what he deserved. But Vinny looked good. Um, I don't know if he's gonna be like, you know, uh light heavyweight contender or anything, but uh he, he looked good in that fight. He he did what he was supposed to do. That was a beautiful setup for that arm bar and he tapped him pretty easily. Well one thing I, I noticed was that Magalesh didn't really like he he did some stand up, but it almost felt like he was baiting the takedown. His offense looked like he was begging the guy to take him to the ground because as soon as it went to the ground, it was academic. Like, Pokryats tried to, you know, he tried to be a little more aggressive, and they, they worked in the clinch a little bit. Um, but the fact is that the majority the majority of it was Magalesh kind of trying to counterpunch, but really trying to bait him for the takedown. That's really what it felt like. It was, it was a masterful setup because had he got him to the ground just right in the first round, it would have been over even quicker. Yeah, I mean, that's what Vinny Mag- I mean, Vinny Magalhaes' stand-up is horrible. But, you know, that's his game. Like, you not, said it, I did He's not, you know... No, it, it's not bad. It's like, it, you know, he don't have Hoist Gracie stand-up. I mean, to get back in the UFC, he had a head-kick knockout, and, uh, I believe, uh, um, uh, what's the promotion Fedor fights for? Um, oh, um, shit. In Russia. I know, uh, M1 Global. M1 Global. It's um, M1 Global. M1 Global, yeah. Uh, he, he, to get back in the UFC, he had a head kick knocker on M1 Global. I mean, that was against a scrub, but he, he got the head kick knocker. <laughs> so his stand-up isn't, isn't horrible. But it, it was completely obvious he wanted to go to the ground. Ego Pokryat, for some reason, was like, hey, let me take this amazing submission special to the ground and see what happens. And what yeah, he, happened was got to happen really easily. And, uh, and of course, th- th- this card had a nice what-the-fuck moment. Charles Oliveira, Cub Swanson, with the delayed KO... It was it was a it was a thing of beauty only because you ever you've probably played Punch Out growing up. You remember back in the days when you would hit Glass Joe and he would kind of do that swivel dance before he fell. Yeah, I've never seen a black <laughs> like that in real life. That was so weird because he looked fine when he got hit. Like he got hit, he got hit to the body. Then he got like I think it was left hook to the body, a right hook to the face. He looked fine, and then his it looked like his body was like. Fuck this shit. We're done. And he just fell down. Like, when does that happen? I've never seen that happen in MMA. That was the weirdest KO. And 
uh, there was a bunch of people saying, oh, he just quit. I don't think that was quitting. I think he just got, I think he just had a delayed reaction. Um, I don't think he quit. So I, I think, uh, is, you, you know, you hear those keyboard warriors saying he quit. That's just, well, um, you know, I think, I think that what happened was, and, and this is the, the same situation that happens with concussions. And we've seen this, I've read about this in, in numerous articles and where guys are playing, they get a concussion and they say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then they faint. Same same rules apply. The, say, the way he got rattled, the shot was clean. So it's like, you know, his brain got rattled, and it probably took his brain a few minutes to register to the rest of his body, like, hey, fall down. It can happen. I mean, yeah. unless you're a fucking doctor, I, you know, same thing, keyboard warrior sitting there. It's like, dude, are you a medical professional? Are you? Because if you're not, the dude was out cold when he hit the when he hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, he was on the ground for a while. Like yep. it, it wasn't. If, if he had just quit, he would have fell down and got right back up. Right. He fell down and was on the ground for a while. He got knocked out, and it was one of the weirdest knockouts I've ever seen. But it happened. So. And of course I, the. I, I, I didn't know Cub Swanson was packing power like that. <laughs> Hell no! But I mean, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, ask, you gotta say to yourself though, the guy, you know, he's seventeen and five coming in. He's not a scrub. You know, he's just got to hit his stride, and this is definitely a nice highlight reel for him. But of course, to to complement that that beautiful KO, we had that Mad Hamill fight, <laughs> and um, you know, I love Mad Hamill. Mad Hamill's a a tremendous success story. He's an amazing athlete. And he has tremendous accolades under his belt. But the problem with Matt Hamill is the fact that he is so dominant in wrestling that it's almost impossible for him to evolve past that. It's almost like an old Matt, like an like a you know, a young Matt Hughes that only used wrestling. That's what Matt Hamill is. It it almost seems like he doesn't want to trade, and when he does, the, the his strikes are, you know, that they, they, they're not the, the cleanest. And that's always been a factor. But the funny thing is that people are, are like, oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have come out of retirement, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, the guy had the bug to fight, and they've switched his opponents numerous times. And not only that, but you got to remember, any way you slice it, the guy is deaf. It's not like you can yell strategy to him. What the fuck do people expect? I mean, that, obviously, putting him in the pay-per-view card, you know, we can we can make an argument for that as well. But come on, man. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great fight, but you got a deaf guy that could whoop your ass in the blink of an eye. I wouldn't say much, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the fight was horrible. I mean, I I did I hated the fight. It was boring. Oh, I hated um, it too. But you I'm know, I wanted to normally call fights boring. But I mean, that fight was it was Roger Howley, uh, his opponent, didn't even look like he was prepared to fight. Like he. He looked like he just woke up and somebody was like, "Hey, put your fight shorts on. Got to go get an octagon." Like, like he he just looked completely out of it. I don't think it should have been on a main card. It should have been. I think it should have been um, on the prelims. They should have put that TJ Grant Evan Dunham fight on the main card. I agree, but it was it it was not it was not worth. The, it was not a very good fight. And Matt Hamill retirement. I do air quotes because he wasn't even retired a year. He fought, who was the last guy he fought? I think it was Gustafson. He fought Gustafson a little bit over a year ago. There's a lot of fighters that take like a year off between fights and aren't retired. Like, he, he just wasn't retired. Like, he didn't have a real retirement uh, to me. I didn't realize he was, I knew he was retired, but I completely forgot until they kept drilling it into the ground. 
that he would retire. But uh, the fight was bad. I mean, Matt Hamill, that's what Matt Hamill does. I don't understand if anyone was confused. That's, that's what I'm saying. He he be, yeah. He's like, a grinder. He beat up. Uh, yeah. Like, either, either he's going to get beat up like Gus Sim was able to do to him, Rampage was able to do to him, or John Jones was able to do to him. Or he's going to lay on you and punch you in the face over and over. And there's really not going to be much you can do about it. That's it. Now, of course, the... Everybody was a little bit torn with Bisping and Brian Stan. I couldn't, I couldn't even root against either of these guys because I knew they were going to go in there and put on a great fight. I didn't even realize that Bisping had 22 fights, 22 wins uh, in his record. I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know that. But I was, he really impressed me. Like, you could tell he wants this opportunity. He wants it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a very good fight, um, I think. I think uh, the stand-up was pretty even. I think what won this team to fight was the takedowns. Yes. I think the stand-up overall was pretty even because I think Brian Stan was rocking this uh, team's head all across the cage. Brian Stan, uh, Stan hits really, really hard. And it was obvious in the fight. Um, it, was a, it was a very good fight. Um, this team, you know, he wants the opportunity to finance the silver. I think he's destroyed, but he wants that opportunity to see if he'll, he'll be able to finance the silver. So, well, here's, um, here's you know, a question. That, he, if he wants the way there. No, what I what I wanted to ask was here. Here's a guy wants a shot at Anderson Silva. Did this performance solidify an opportunity for him? I don't think it did. Um, I think they should do a first of all. Anderson Silva isn't fighting at uh, one eighty five for a while. Anderson Silva has no intention of fighting away. Like, not not that he's leaving the division altogether. The Anderson Silva is about to destroy Stephen Bonner in a couple of weeks. Then he wants to fight GSP. So it might be maybe a year before he fights at 185 again. In that time, they should do Chris Weidman, or, well, I think he's going to beat Timbo Chick, so I'm going to go ahead and say Chris Weidman versus uh, Michael Bisping. That's the number one contender fight. You got a, a number one contender that's gone through a lot of uh, the, the big names in the division. You can build a fight. Either Chris Weidman, either one of them will build a fight nicely, and, and you'll have a really good fight for Anderson Silva. I'd like to see that. Weidman and Bisping would be a fun fight. And I, I think Bisping, he's, he's grown leaps and bounds as a fighter. And I feel he needs that. He needs one more fight only because, like you said, Anderson Silva is, and, and that's the beauty of being an Anderson Silva or a John Jones. You're at that stage in the game where you're like, look, I want fights that will create hype and give us and bring me money. And, and that's the funny thing. And, you know, Bloodstain Lane referenced that in a video a while back. It's like, yeah, you know, Chris Weidman, he's a good fighter and whatnot, but who's going to shell out $60 to watch him fight Anderson Silva? Unless there's a huge buildup, like on, on, on a level, you know, on a level bigger than Chael Sonnen. You know what I mean? Like, Chris yeah. Weidman has to, like, go shit in front of Anderson Silva's house, throw a brick through his window, <laughs> kidnap one of his kids. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be something so dramatic that people will be like, man, I need to see this fight. This fight is going to be amazing. Yeah. And again, Chris Weidman, he's a local guy. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a tremendous talent. But Anderson Silva, John Jones, GSP, if he gets past Carlos Condit, these guys are at that stage where they want money fights, top-earning fights. And some people may say, yeah, you know, these guys, they refuse, and they should be able to fight anybody anywhere. And I agree that that definitely is a factor, fighting anybody anywhere. But you also want to give people the fights they want to see. Not for nothing, Chael, you know, rewinding back to what we discussed, Chael Sonnen, Anderson's, um, Chael Sonnen and John Jones, yeah, it would have been a mauling, 
but everybody would have bought that fight. Everybody. Everybody. Casuals and and hardcores would have bought that fight. Casuals just to see how crazy it would be and hardcores just to see, you know, somebody get somebody get decapitated in the octagon. But that's what I'm saying. These guys can set that pace. And Anderson Silva, like you said, he what's he going to do? Fight 185 with Bisping? Yeah, Bisping will be able to talk some shit and maybe get some hype, but it's not going to be Chael Sonnen hype, and that's something I'm going to talk later on about in the in the MMA segment that Dana White shed some light on, but Bisping needs that other fight. Nobody wants to see that right now. Anderson Silva needs to fight at 205, or he needs to fight GSP and vacate the belt at 85. If he defend it once more, if he wins, vacate it and go to 205 and start busting heads up there. That's probably what Anderson was going to end up doing, um, which would lead to the John Jones Anderson fight, which I would thoroughly <laughs> enjoy. Of course. Um, but, um, yeah, that's Anderson Silva. After the Chelsea Hunter fight, it became really obvious that Anderson Silva, unless you have earned, and for all the people that hate on Chelsea, I'm like, oh, he talked his way into title shot. He did, but he also beat, I think, four straight top ten middleweights before yep. fighting Anderson Silva the first time. Yep. So he, he kind of he kind of himself overshadowed that with his talk, but before he got to Anderson Silva, he beat some really good guys. So you know, you 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 have to have those wins and Chris Lyman doesn't have enough top 10 wins yet and Michael Bisping doesn't have enough top 10 wins yet so you put them together you, you put a lot of build up on that fight you say exactly what the fight is for and a more contentious spot for Anson Silva and then a winner gets Anson Silva it builds them up more instead of just throwing one of the other into an Anson Silva fight because no one's going to want to see that is it wrong of me to say and, and this is you know before we wrap we wrap up with the last two fights is it wrong of me to say that if Anderson Silva fought Forrest Griffin and beat Forrest Griffin, I would have liked to have seen, and regardless of how it ends, dude, Anderson Silva and Rampage at 205. That would have been, an, that that is an interesting fight. I've never thought about that fight. Dude, that would be, I mean, there would like, be so you know, much bread. <laughs> dude, there would be so much bread and so much shit talking. Oh my God, dude. Just Ramp, Rampage would sell that fight just like, man, listen, I'm going to bust this guy's head. You know, you know how he is. Yeah, that that would have been an awesome, awesome fight. I never thought about that. I, I wonder why that was never done. I, I really, I mean, barring uh, Rampage is saying his last fight is coming up, but I wonder why that was never done. That that would have been that would have been a really good fight, dude. You would have told Rampage, "Hey, we'll give you this fight with Anderson Silva for X amount of money." You know, Rampage will be like, "I'll sign, I'll sign right here." I guarantee you, he'll oh, fight okay. injured. He'll fight injured with his leg hanging out, with his arm broken. Because that's a payday fight. Yeah, he he most definitely take that fight. Yep. I, I don't see uh, I don't see Rampage turning down that fight, especially for the amount of money he was going to get or would have gotten. Now moving on, the 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 flyweights, the flyweights were amazing, dude. <laughs> they yeah. were they were amazing yeah, from awesome start fight. to finish. Amazing. Yeah. And that, uh, that was an awesome fight. It was it was crazy to me that people were booing. Yeah. That, that's, that's what got me. I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, what, do you, what, what more do you want them to do? Demetrius Johnson has uh, got excellent footwork. Justin Benavidez is trying to take his head off. It, it, that was an awesome fight. I don't. I didn't understand the booing. No, I, uh, I I definitely agree. I mean, there's nothing else to say about that. And, of course, John Jones, Vitor Belfort, we know 
John Jones definitely everybody thought he was going to walk through Vitor, but Vitor showed showed a couple of of little of little holes in his game. John Jones' uh, submission defense from top position incredibly suspect. Dude, everybody lost their shit with that armbar. I, I can imagine you were sitting at home or you were sitting in, in the bar watching, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? I, I really, honestly, I thought I thought he might have. Like, that was that was a deep, deep arm bar. Um, it, the, the weakness part, as you just said, it may be a weakness, but I, I love, not you, but I love how some people are acting like it's this glaring weakness that can be no. exploited. Nope. The thing people tend to forget is how many guys at light heavyweight or heavyweight have a ground game that constitutes that John Jones would have to worry about that. And then for how many of them can actually get him down to do that? The like, only guy... Yeah, his, top, his top defense may be horrible. It may be absolutely terrible. How many of y'all can exploit this, though? I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. John Jones didn't tap because John Jones did not want to give that to the UFC. You know what I mean? Like, he realized, he's yeah. like, shit, this is, this is in deep. And he said, I am not going to come in here after the shit I just went through and give up this belt. You're going to have to break my arm. And that, that showed tremendous heart. And one of the things I liked that he said, he said, you know, they were like, you know, the UFC 151 situation and, and your DUI. And he said, you know what, what's great? He's like, I need people to boo me because it, it frees me. It helps people realize that I am not a perfect human being, that I am imperfect, and that I can make mistakes, and that I acknowledge that. I, I was like, "Oh, you, you couldn't have, you could have, you couldn't have painted a better picture." I will tell you this though: Vitor Belfort went in there, so you know, based on what I've heard, with a broken hand. The guy let go of the armbar because you know he felt he he kind of started. He realized that this dude wasn't tapping, which was a mistake at that point. Honestly, you had to do. You had to pull out a Frank Mir and break that arm. Not, not, yeah. not to be, not to be a guy that wants to see somebody injured. But let's be real. You're not tapping. It's breaking. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's that. That that was. If if he really wanted that belt, he should have broken. Now, I don't particularly think he let go because if you watch, he got to a point where he couldn't extend anymore. Right. If he got belly down. He he could have broke his arm, but the because John Jones like stood up slammed him, stood up again. Like, there was no way, like, he could extend the arm anymore. So I don't I don't say Vitor is lying, per se, when he said he let it go. I just don't think he could have broken it if he wanted to. The, the, the positioning he was in, like, he, because John Jones' arm is so long, he was in a position where he couldn't have extended it anymore. Well, the, the crazy thing from that was, and, and this was something that I've watched the fight twice, and a lot of people said, they, they, a lot of people that aren't, knowledgeable MMA fans that I've known that I said, yo, check out this fight just and don't say anything till it's over. They said yeah. this. That nigga got woke up. <laughs> That's what they said. My, my, my buddy George, who I work with, and he, he, the, the hood came out. He's like, that, that, that nigga got woke up. He almost got his arm broke and he just went crazy and started bashing that dude in the face. And I was just like, wow. That is the most non-fan opinion I have ever heard, but probably the most logical. John Jones I, realized I that that armbar opened okay. him up, you know, it opened him up, and he said, "I gotta come in here and I gotta bash this dude now to prove a point." Yeah, yeah. Like I, I loved. Um, I find it funny that people seem to act as if Vitor had it 
an extended period that he was doing well in the fight. Nah. <laughs> he had about 20 seconds where he was doing something. The rest of that, he was in his ass whooped. The, the other, what was that, like 20 minutes or so, he didn't beat down. Like, that, there was no... Vitor had his moment. It, it reminds me of, uh, of when Fedor fought uh, Fujita. And Fujita tagged Fedor. But if you read that on the internet, you thought Fedor was getting his ass with the entire fight and then out of nowhere, like, landed an overhand right and got a choke. When, in fact, Fujita hit him one time and Fedor whooped his ass the rest of the fight. Like, people wanted John Jones to lose. Like, that, that's what that all comes down to. Like, oh, yeah, of there course. Was a, there's a large contingency of people who were like, he should lose. Like, Vitor Belfort wouldn't beat John Jones. Well, that armbar was his best opportunity, and he couldn't get it done. But a, to, he, outside of that, that armbar, he wasn't going to win. So. Well, to wrap that up and, and just to, to breeze through the, the MMA news before we go into wrestling, this is, this is how I saw this going. People wanted John Jones to lose either A, because they didn't like him, or B, because they felt that the loss was needed to humble him. And I'm not, you know, I don't know the guy personally. I'm not one to say if he needs to be humbled or not. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors or how he views the sport. But the fact remains that anybody that gets in there with John Jones has the potential to beat John Jones. And that's not even saying based on the fact that ability is a factor. You can go in there any day of the week and beat somebody. Matt Sarah is living proof of that. And GSP will, will remember that for the rest of his life. You know, yeah. and that, that's that's a fact. John Jones went in there. He knew he was the man. He knew he was good at he at at everything in the sport. He's a complete athlete. But I bet you he did not account for a guy coming up from eighty five to two hundred five, getting him in an armbar in the first few minutes. The other thing that kind of definitely rattled Jones was him coming in there on all fours as usual, and Big John tell you know him almost getting tagged with that head kick. And the funny thing was, John Jones is like, "Oh, you're gonna help me out." And the ref was like, "Dude, you want to play this game? That's how it's gonna be." I really like well, that. That would have been a disqualification if he had landed that kick. That was a DQ. Like, oh hey, yeah, you can't do that. I like, but you know what I liked about it? I liked the fact that Big John went in there and said, "This is a title fight. Let's go for it." And and you know he gave he gave that little bit of leeway, but it was just nice to see that John Jones got not backed into a corner, but he got a, an opportunity to see for himself where he needs to improve. And he said that in the in the press conference. He's like, man, my top game was garbage. But he, like anything else, John Jones is going to go back, watch tape, and that'll be the last time his top game will be garbage. It's just how he is. Like, I understand what people are like. Well, no, I, I, let me first. I don't understand what people are like. I want him humbled. I don't feel athletes necessarily need to be that humble. You're doing a sport where you get in a cage to beat other men up. That's there's not a lot of humble that goes on with that. There's not a lot of necessity for humbleness. I, like John Jones man could be a complete dick. It doesn't matter. Like he's not coming to your house talking to you personally. Like he's he's getting in a cage to fight people. Well that's because people maybe, Go ahead. Maybe one day he will lose but the whole humbling issue is a stupid thing. Well, I look at it like this, and this is just something where, and this is just a, from a from a real life standpoint. When you're when you're 25 years old, and you can pretty much beat the hell out of any man on this planet, and the entire world tells you that you are great, it does something to you psychologically. 
That's a fact. When I was 25 years old, dude, and, and, I, and I was making money and doing what I had to do, it felt good when somebody said, you know, hey, what you're doing is awesome or you're the man. It's just it's just a it's just a psychological thing. And to a degree, people people are, are gauging it off the fact that everybody's telling John, jo- John Jones that he is the best, that he is the, the Muhammad Ali of this generation. Whether it's true, false, is irrelevant. You're 25 years old and people are comparing you to one of the greatest pugilists of all time. It's going to it's going to mess with you psychologically. And it's going to make you feel a little a little it's going to, you know, as terrible of a word as it is, it's going to make you feel like you like your swag is is unparalleled at this point. That's a fact. That and what what's going to happen with that is it's going to show. It does show, dude. Sometimes in some interviews and in some stuff, he's like, "Yeah, you know, he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm the man." And that's fine. But the problem is that for every for every bit of cockiness that there is in that statement, it's just confidence. But people are always going to view that negatively. I know that the guy is doing his job and the guy is doing what he's got to do. Yeah, does he come off a little a little gassed? Of course he does. But think about it. You're 25 years old, and you can beat the hell out of practically anybody they put in front of you. It doesn't matter what happens. You're going to get gassed. And... When, I, when people say, and, and that's the problem too, when people say that they want to see somebody be humbled, it's because they want you to, to, to get knocked down because they want to see you get back up. If John Jones was to lose tomorrow, his journey back to get the belt would be amazing because he would have to blast his way through dudes in decisive fashion to get it. Like, that's the thing. This whole issue with Dana White, Dana White's like, yeah, you know, everything is squashed. But let's not kid ourselves. If John Jones would have lost that belt, yeah, you may have got an immediate rematch. But Dana White would have been like, "Ah, we're gonna give him one fight before the rematch." You know that would have happened. Oh, I know that for a fact. Dana White, <laughs> not not that Dana White's a horrible person or nothing like that. Dude holds grudges. Just, people don't know this. Ken Shamrock is still paying the UFC. Yep. To this day, they have taken all of Ken Shamrock's money, and they are still taking his money. Fuck with Dana White, he will he will screw your life up. Ken Shamrock is living proof. Proof. This dude is still playing the UFC, still fighting to pay the UFC. Yep. I, I don't think he would have done anything like that to John Jones, but he would have made an example of him. Like, yo, you got to do another fight. Like, yep. And and it, no one, no one didn't want John Jones would probably win the fight because the thing with John Jones is what the UFC likes to do when they know it's your last contract, your last contract to fight, or you do something that they don't like. They try to give you a bad matchup. Only problem with John Jones is who are you gonna find to be a bad matchup for John Jones? That's the problem. Like, like you, you really can't punish him the way they like to punish people. Right. So they would have they would have made him fight probably more than once somebody before he got the title shot again. But I mean that didn't happen. Nope. Whenever he fights again, which will probably be a Chell Sonnen his next fight, and he'll blow him up. You won't have to worry about that. But eventually this will all get squashed because it's not good for business for them to be at right. odds with John Jones. So eventually it will all get squashed. But it's probably still still an issue for Dana White. He, he won't say it publicly, but it's probably still an issue for him. Of course. Well, just to, to go through some of this other stuff, they, they, uh, they gave out the $65,000 bonuses. Cub Swanson got KO of the night, which was well-deserved. Sub of the night went to John Jones, and Grant and Dunham got the fight of the night. Now, of course... Post-fight, you know Dana White's just going to run off at the mouth as usual to dive into what you said. 
Chelson and you know Dana White definitely likes that fight. And um honestly, from a money standpoint, it would make both guys a lot of money, number one. Number two, after the debacle that happened trying to find John Jones an opponent and dudes bailing out or or refusing to take the fight. Chael Sonnen, you got to reward him as a company guy. You know he's going to go in there and probably get smashed. But he was the only guy. Machida backed out. A couple of other guys that got called either, you know, they couldn't take the fight or they didn't want to take the fight. Yeah, Shogun backed out. Machida backed out. Like, there was was more than a few guys. That's what I'm saying. So, so, so why? So, you know, there's there's a couple of people that were couple of guys that i saw him in twitter and a, and a couple of different message boards and they were like yeah man well you know chael chael's gonna get in there and and you know he's gonna get this title opportunity after one fight at 205 but the fact remains he was the only guy that actively said yo i want to fight this dude you have to acknowledge yeah. that you have an entire division of badass dudes and some of them were like nah i'm not gonna take that fight dude it's for the belt nah it's all right are you crazy most of, most of those badass dudes have already been got their ass with them. Right. But still, you know what I mean? Imagine the payday and just the opportunity on any given day you can lose. Whether it's a flash KO or, or some kind of crazy submission, you can lose. Hell, Anderson Silva's like, dude, I'll take the fight out of shape. Because he knew what was on the line. Imagine Anderson Silva would have taken that fight and beat John Jones and held both belts right now. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have fought John Jones. Uh, Anderson Silva specifically said he, he would just take a, a 205 fight. He, he said he wouldn't fight John Jones. Like, he said that specifically. Yeah, well, Anderson Silva and any fighter that says that when money and a belt are on the line are full of shit. Like, you gotta be a, you gotta be a complete psycho to turn your back on that. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> they, they said, like, when, when he called Dana, he, he said specifically, I will fight a 205er. And uh, he said, uh, Dana said something about, like, John Jones. He was like, no, I will fight another 205. Nah, that's, so, that's, that's fucking bullshit. I don't think bullshit. he's afraid of John Jones. No. Like, I just don't think they want to fight each other. And, of course, um, Strike Force got canceled, which, at this point, not it, there's not, there's not even, there's not even uh, a time for us to go into it because they canceled it, the fighters got paid, it became a non-story real quick. Now, to close things out, before we wrap things up, Dana White was discussing something which was in the Toronto Sun that the UFC lost their biggest draw with Brock Lesnar, which we all know everybody thought. Dana White actually came out of pocket and said, Brock Lesnar wasn't our biggest draw. Our biggest draws were GSP, Anderson Silva, John Jones, Rashad Evans, and Chael Sonnen. You see, you see, you see, the, you see what that statement just meant? Chael Sonnen is in the top five biggest draws. Why would you not give him a fight with John Jones? You see what I'm saying? Unless he goes out with Forrest Griffin and loses, which is somewhat possible. Somewhat. (laughs) um, He has a good opportunity to get that fight with John Jones. As soon as he gets on the mic after the Forrest Griffin fight, he's going to go full WWE mode. Say something completely absurd. <laughs> probably piss John Jones off. They're going to wait six months. They're going to fight. He's going to talk all sorts of nonsense all the way up to the fight, get in the cage, get his ass whooped, act like a completely different person after the fight, <laughs> like he did with Anderson twice, and then we're going to move on. And yep. it's going to make the UFC lots and lots of money. 
But you know how crazy it is that he had to actually, and Dana White is not a guy that talks about money, but he's like, no, that's complete bullshit. He goes, here are our top five draws. And they're all championship guys. And again, like I told you earlier in the, in the segment, the GSP, Anderson Silva, and John Jones can set the pace of the big money fights that they want. When you're, when you're, when you're the guys that draw the most money, you have some pull. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. You All make right. us money, you can. That's why. That's why John Jones was able to say no. As much as they got mad, he made some money. They weren't going to cut him. Nope. John Jones was basically like, "You ain't gonna cut me. I can say no to you all I want." There you go. Well, we got the UFC event this weekend. Um, obviously, to fill the void for Strike Force, which is not happening. And then next uh, next weekend, we got the Invicta card for free on Invicta.com. So we got some good MMA to keep us busy. Yeah, 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 that's true. Outside of the Ultimate Fighter. Which Ugh. So I, I was going to I was gonna get into it, dude, but that fight was just complete bullshit. So I, I refused to do it. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Like, yep. <laughs> you were saying it wasn't garbage. Like, I, I said, like, the Ultimate Fighter hasn't been good in a long time. I don't understand why you choose those coaches. I don't understand why you choose that weight class. I don't understand why it's on Friday. I, I don't understand what they're doing with it, period. I, I, I don't get why they're doing what they're doing with it. So. Yeah, that fight was... that, that I, I, can't, I couldn't even bring myself to discuss it. Um, to wrap things up, of course, the people can follow you on Twitter at Blackout89. Um, anything else you want to add? Nope, just uh, follow and read, man. Oh, I, I, can't, I gotta tell you, though. John Jones can't be fighter of the month. Twice. <laughs> oh, um... <laughs> I'll think of somebody else. All right, man. Actually, I think he would be. I think that might be his third time. I gotta go back and look. That might be his third time fight on both with this one. Yeah, we can't have that. All right. All right, man. All right, man. All right, All right. brother. Thanks. See ya. Peace. All right, that was Ben. You can follow him on Twitter at Blackout89, and of course, you can also talk to him on our Facebook fan page. You want to talk some MMA? Uh, get the scoop on. Some of the other stuff that's going on in the world of mixed martial arts, Ben is your go-to guy for that. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to get into wrestling. Uh, Jay Santee should be calling in to join us to discuss that right after this. Oh, hey, how are you? My name is Blaine. I run a podcast called Boy Stop Radio. If you like to hear people talk about things, go to boystopper.com to listen to Born Stopping Radio. It's an inconsistent podcast that might show up once or twice a month, but hey, guess who wins? You do. Thanks. All right, let's talk some wrestling. Booker, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! All right, well, I figure we'll open up with Monday Night Raw to tide things over until Jay calls in. Uh, Monday Night Raw this week was, it wasn't completely terrible, but it had high points and low points. Uh, the opening promos, as usual, CM Punk, which I'll discuss the story with him after going through Raw. CM Punk 
Paul Heyman continue to deliver masterful and elegant promo work. It is it is a thing of beauty to watch these two guys work because there's so many little subtle touches that Paul Heyman adds to this equation from running down to give CM Punk a high five to the way he just throws out certain little little phrases and things when CM Punk is talking to the way he stands it's 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 beautiful in execution and you know to open it up of course the segment with AJ and AJ um Paul Heyman getting down on one knee asking AJ to marry him it was it was it was great in theory but also flawless in execution of course some people uh said that that segment was bullshit but it really wasn't because it it reinforced the fact that AJ was is breaking down psychologically. She's just breaking down to the point where nobody is safe. Talent, referees, nobody is safe. And and the beauty of that is that that can open up a Pandora's box of possibilities, not only because it'll allow her to do some crazy stuff, but because she won't really have allegiances to anyone. That's something that you really have to look at. No allegiances makes things very, very interesting so it was a solid opener Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston and R-Truth you know he was accompanied by R-Truth was a solid opener and the beauty of it was that they're saying that they were very impressed with this match backstage and that they're looking to possibly move Kofi Kingston back into singles competition and separate him from R-Truth like I've said Kofi Kingston is a bona fide singles competitor he just needs some really great heels to work with and he needs to work on his promo skills. The thing with him being with R-Truth is a gift and a curse because it kind of makes R-Truth Kofi's crutch because R-Truth handles the bulk of the mic work. Secondly, Kofi is, you know, he's not, it's not like when he was with Evan Bourne and it had the, the makings of a solid tag team. You can still tell, regardless of how much matching gear they wear, that they just don't fit together. It feels very strange. Now, of course, Dolph Ziggler got the win in this match, but it was just a very, very, very solid match between two very solid athletes. The tag team division is starting to get a little bit of a a jolt. They put put Zack Ryder together with Santino to take on the primetime players. Honestly, I would have put Zack Ryder back with his major brother cohort, Kurt Hawkins. It would have just worked out better. You could have called them the Broskies, done something versus putting him with Santino Morella. I understand the whole comedy gimmick, but Santino in a tag team atmosphere just doesn't work, especially with a guy like Zack Ryder, because Santino is a weirdo, and Zack Ryder is supposed to be, you know, the cool guy in the group. It just didn't work. The primetime player is definitely more aggressive. They looked really good in this match, continuing to solidify their their statement that they're coming for those tag team titles, and I, I was impressed, as usual, with their with their ongoing development, they look really good. Ryder continues to be consistent in the ring. Like I said a couple of weeks back, WWE seems to start is starting to nudge him in, into the push direction. But either put him with Kurt Hawkins and get Kurt Hawkins back on TV, or 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 turn Zack Ryder heel. But a tag team with Santino, even though you throw it together because you're trying to play on the disarray between Team Hell No, um, Daniel Bryan and Kane, it, it just it just doesn't feel right. It didn't, it didn't mesh well, but going further into the evening, we were joined by Mick Foley who delivered an amazing promo with CM Punk. Once again, CM Punk bringing the best out of guys and Foley's also good for that. Foley is good 
for, especially with when working with heels, to bring out another side of them. Nothing, nothing is more reminiscent of that than him making, Rand, well, forcing Randy Orton to spit in his face. Do yourself a favor and make sure to check out when that particular promo, you can probably find it on YouTube where Mick Foley had Randy Orton spit in his face. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, Slick just told me that he thinks Jay is on hold. Um, Jay Santee, if you're on hold, press the number one key so that Slick can bring you into the screening room and get you ready to come on air. Press option one on your keypad and he'll get you set up. Anyway, as I was saying, you know, the work with the work with Foley and Punk was really good. He's a really good guy to, to use in situations like that. And especially with a guy like CM Punk, who is not your everyday wrestler. And I really like the, 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 the little bit of like realism involved where, you know, McFoley's like, I was the, one of the first guys to text you when you won the belt and you text me back. It was, it was great because that part we probably know for a fact happened, but to go further and to turn that into such a, a great part of the angle was, was awesome. Now, some people were saying that Foley's promo work was a little off. I think it was fine. Like I said, it really just helped solidify the story. Um, and it, it worked. It really worked. Now, the Miz and Ryback match was a low point for me for a couple of reasons. Ryback, I understand you're sending him to the next level and you want to get him into IC title contention. But he pretty much came out there and mauled the Miz. Mauled him. It, w- it was ridiculous for a guy who is your your secondary champion. As, as, as far as I've always known, the IC title is the, the stepping stone to the world title. And those guys are usually guaranteed to be number one contenders. That's how I used to watch it when I was growing up. Obviously, things have changed and the value of the belt has changed. But that's how it should be. Now, to see the Miz just get decimated by Ryback wasn't, wasn't the way to go. Um, I was really, really dumbfounded by the logic in that, but most importantly, it was just the fact that you made your champion look like a complete fucking scrub. Meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, Wade Barrett and Tyson Kidd was, you was, was basically a squash match. They let Tyson Kidd get some defense in, but it wasn't on par with Justin Gabriel in Barrett's match where Justin Gabriel was working a little better, got in some more offense. This felt more squash-like. Um, Wade Barrett continues to impress. Like I said, he's got that nice new finisher, which he's named the souvenir. And also, like I said, he's in good shape. The beard helps Uh, his mannerisms, the way he's, he's conducting himself. He's trying to make a statement in the heavyweight division. The six man tag match with Sheamus, Sin Cara and Rey Mysterio against Del Rio, Otunga and Ricardo Rodriguez was one part comedy, one part just getting over Sin Cara and Rey Mysterio as a tag team, it was it was pretty decent. It was good. Um, obviously, Sheamus yet hitting Otunga with the brogue kick was the way to go. <sighs> pretty much paint by numbers. I can't say it was terrible. Ricardo Rodriguez continues to impress as the comedic heel, and there's a, a some news regarding him, which I'll share later on in the segment. The Divas match was bullshit. I'm sorry, it was. And Beth Phoenix, if the rumors are true. They're, they're just fucking involving you in the worst shit. And then now they're trying to make it seem like she was the one that attacked Caitlyn. Ugh. I can go into Tensai and Brodus Clay 
and say that it was a complete clusterfuck, but it wasn't. E- there wasn't even enough time to come to that uh, to to that assessment because the Big Show came out and smashed both those guys. Clearly, coming in to establish his dominance in the company once again, which is that's that's pretty much it. Just bullshit. Anyway, the main event promo to close things out with Cena, his arm in a sling, of course, from the bone chips. Nice little exchange with Punk. He hits CM Punk with the smallest pipe ever. Once again, WWE, if you guys want to add weapons and things like that to the equation, you are using a pipe that was pretty much the, the equivalent of me hitting someone with the microphone that I used to broadcast. Maybe you could have used a blackjack or brass knuckles. At least brass knuckles would have looked more believable. Cena could have just put him in his hand, kept his fist closed, and hit him with it. And it would have looked better than that cheap-ass, fake-looking, tiny pipe. It was stupid. And then the face-off with Ryback to close things out after the Foley cheap shot. Little foreshadowing, I'm sure, but they they may just be trying to have a trap door in case John Cena's not ready for Hell in the Cell. The, putting him in there with Ryback, a lot of people are like, oh, Ryback is getting this opportunity way too soon. What the fuck is going on? The fact remains that we know Ryback isn't going to win, but he can learn a thing or two from working with CM Punk. So... I just got word that Jay is on the air. Let me bring him in. Jay, hey. what's going on, brother? How are you? Sitting over there. I'm so far, I'm loving Thanks, man. Welcome to the show. Um, for those of you that don't know, Jay Santi is a correspondent for Pro Slam World. He also does color commentary. Um, I've seen him work with uh, Red's House of Glory doing commentary. Always does some great stuff. What's going on, Jay? How are you? I was just listening to the rundown that you have for Raw, and I must say that uh, you're pretty much 100% of what how I felt about the night. I mean, I, you know, Raw becomes one of those topsy-turvy things every week. One week you could be on the biggest high, and then the next week you're looking at your screen going, what the hell did I just watch? No, it's, it's, it's insane. The three hours have been a gift and a curse. You've, gotten, you've got some great stuff, but the majority of it came out of CM Punk. Because the mid the mid card is 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 extremely lacking and it feels very disjointed. Like I said, you take the Miz, who like it should be your your number one contender automatically. If we remember the old days, like I said, he right. should be the guy that should be next in line for a title shot in case of an emergency at all costs. And he just got jobbed out. Well, I don't. I see what I didn't understand was like, look, you could have had anybody else on that roster that night that could have went up. And went up against Ryback and just job for him that night, like they've been doing every other night. You throw Miz out there, and mind you, if you wanted to show somebody who would have been at least somewhat competitive, why put Ryback? Put somebody else in the mix. You throw him out there, and now you make him Miz. Oh, my top ten heels of 2012. Out there, and now like you. Jay, you keep cutting in and out, dude. Oh, I'm sorry about that. There you go. All right, sorry about that. Yeah, for what reason? I mean, I mean, does... Oh, you keep cutting out. Okay. Are you on. are you muting the phone or are you on speaker? No, I'm not on speaker. Hold on. Hello, can you hear me now? Yeah, that should be. That's better. All right. Yeah. So you know, I don't. I just don't understand how how you would sit there and throw him out there and just and just just basically just toss him out there to the wolves and make him look weak. 
that's not a good look for Miz. No, I was I was I was very disappointed in that. And like I said, Vince Vince is sold on the Ryback gimmick. Obviously, shades of Goldberg. The crowd is behind it, and they're really going that route with the Goldberg style push. The only thing is, and and this is something I've said before, every victory Ryback gets, he needs. Losses don't hurt the Miz at this point because his gimmick is over. Ryback's gimmick is built completely on wins. And for you to go in there, tease an exchange with CM Punk, have him come out and destroy the Miz, the entire WWE quote-unquote universe is going to expect Ryback to get the belt. Just because of that terrible uh, buildup that they're doing that obviously is going to lead to him losing, but obviously they're probably it won't be a cattle prod a la Goldberg, but you know it's it's going to be a dirty a dirty win anyway. And when you, from what what has been on you know been told over the stories, um, they pretty much have said that because remember they showed the image and you didn't hear anything, so there was no pop about hearing you know seeing right back on the screen. So like that was even lost in translation because everybody you know they saw the kick for Mick Foley. You know, we saw, you know, the Ryback show, but we didn't get the excitement from it because it was just like, what the heck was that? Well, what ended up happening was they said that the reason that there was no crowd reaction was because the Tron was off, which was a complete, a complete ball drop. (laughs) It was a complete ball drop on their part, because honestly, when I saw that and when when CM Punk's face changed, I said, man, maybe it's Brock Lesnar. Because, you know, that would have been that would have been interesting only because he's Paul Heyman's client also. But right. for it to be Ryback, it was I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty badass. The only way that this can work to their advantage, and I said this earlier in the week, is if it's a swerve and they align Ryback with Heyman to be his right. mouthpiece because, you know, Ryback can't talk for shit. So that, Yo, and, that would be amazing. And to put Punk in there in the situation right now with a match with him was like, it's like so it's out of it's out of line for in my opinion because look, recently they put Ryback in a match with Swagger and which has to be one of the worst matches I've seen this year. Swagger and Ryback, you'd have thought automatically, okay, this is a match. You know, Swagger could work him through it. You know, he's been, he's already has the 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 experience of the uh, of the routine and how this can go. And Ryback pretty much like it, it looked like almost a bot city match with Sinkata. It was just like one of those, and I'm like, oh my god. Jack Swagger's going to get hurt. He's going to be bad. Yeah, that so, was, um, that's I'm the not problem. I'm sure if right now will be like the, pole, like the opportune moment to put him in the ring with Punk because it's just going to look it's gonna look crazy. It is going to look crazy, but the only way that Ryback can improve also is by putting him in there with guys of higher caliber that can educate him on how to be better. It, it's the same thing that happened with Goldberg where they were putting him in there with guys that could work. The only problem with that, obviously, is that we lost Bret Hart in, in, in that experiment. But we we also got to look at it that by working with better talent, you become a better wrestler. Like, that's the thing, too. You could come in there and job him out. And yeah, he should have looked good in that match with Swagger. But Swagger's not a guy that carries matches. Swagger's a good wrestler, but he's not a match carrier. He's not a guy like Dolph Ziggler that could bump like a madman and make you look amazing. Well, we look at what well, we now, now you're speaking of uh, Dolph Ziggler. Now, that has become the persona of the year. When we're speaking of Dolph Ziggler, this is the guy right now who, if it's not on everybody's top five wrestlers of this year, somebody's losing their mind. This guy has been, he went, he's went from the caddy for Chavo Guerrero to a Spirit Squad member 
to, like, one of the biggest guys, you know, in the industry right now, which I feel, you know, I'm just waiting for him to cash that, that, that money in the bank in already. Because, you know, I thought Daniel Bryan's uh, – his his uh his victory for the for the championship belt was gonna be huge. I think. When- oh, you cut out that. Well, you know what it is the for for a guy like Dolph Ziggler, the the belt is the only thing left to solidify his gimmick. His gimmick is over. It works. It's fluid. But the only way that it will be completely full circle is with the belt. That's the because to say you're the show off and to say you're the best in the company and not have a belt. That's the only way you're going to close that up. Pretty much out there, and, and you know, you see. No, you got the cut. Everybody look. You gotta, you gotta hold that phone better. You keep cutting out. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to. Yep. There you go again. All right. Uh, let me see if I can. Could... Yeah, call back in, and then we'll bring you back on. All right, guys. All right. Yeah, Jay seems to be having some some extreme difficulties there so for those of you that didn't hear some of the stuff he's going to call us back while we wait for him to call him back i'll get into some other wrestling news i wanted to share with you guys uh wwe for those of you that are using hulu plus are going to be offering their shows going forward on the hulu plus paid subscription you're going to get raw smackdown nxt superstars and wwe main event those are going to start streaming 24 hours after the original broadcast they didn't cite which cable outlets in particular, but if you live in the U.S., you'll finally be able to watch NXT because we all know that NXT is no longer on television. And in terms of it being on YouTube, it's it was going to be on, then it wasn't going to be on. So it's good to see that it's coming on Hulu. Um, you know, obviously you got to pay for it, but the beauty of it is it's only eight bucks and you'll get other other channels as well. But here's the thing. A lot of people have been saying, hey, weren't these guys going to drop the WWE Network and what's the deal with that? Originally, it was supposed to be dropped at WrestleMania. We know that didn't happen. Then they said they were going to drop it over the holidays this year. That's up in the air. Possibly at the next WrestleMania, we may get some sort of insight. But honestly, I'd rather they take their time with it because if they go in the direction that they want to, which is making it a paid channel like HBO or Cinemax or Showtime, it's going to be a better investment because then you'll get revenue guaranteed. You don't have to really worry about paying uh, for advertising. And if you do, the advertisers you pay can be synonymous with the direction the WWE wants to go with. So, you know, if you want to say WWE's programming is brought to you by Trojans, as terrible as it is, you're on a, on a cable channel. You don't really have to deal with certain things that you would with broadcast television. So... Going in that direction and having the, having people pay for it, you know, I'd pay $10. I'd pay $8 for the WWE Network, especially when you're getting all the smaller pay-per-views that you'd normally have to pay for every three and a half to four weeks. So I'll take what I can get in that regard. Hulu Plus is just another outlet where people will be able to watch it. But the other thing about it is that it's just going to make it that people won't have to go and torrent the stuff after the broadcasts are over. So that's a step in the right direction. Next up, I did want to discuss this in at length only because Beth Phoenix, we know she's been with the company for a long time. She's probably one of the most physically imposing divas on the roster. She's a great worker. And a lot of people are saying that once her contract expires at the end of the month, that that's it. Either she's going to retire or she's going to go maybe into acting. But they're saying that the major catalyst with her not being involved 
is that she doesn't like the way the Divas division is being booked, and I can't blame her. I mean, there's really no more workers in that division, and above all else, they, they're they not giving them competition. You know, Karma left, or she was released, quote-unquote, and the Bella Twins, regardless whether they sucked or they didn't, they, they at least were faces that can round out that roster. Kelly Kelly's AWOL, so you're basically recycling the same six matches. Shit, I'd quit too at that point. Anyway, I'm hearing that Jay is back on the line. Let me bring him back in. Hey, man, yeah, welcome back. Can you hear me now? Are you better? Yeah, we're good now. Okay, I'm going to have to kill my triple play after I'm done with this. There you go. Um, <laughs> as, as I was saying before I brought you back in, I was talking about Beth Phoenix and pretty much the rumors pointing into the, the direction that she's leaving the company at the end of the month. And I was saying that, you know, she wants to go into acting and she wants to, she feels that the Divas division isn't getting a fair shake. And honestly, I can't disagree. I think, I think it's, it is the latter that, the, you know, she really, she's really vocal about how the Divas division is going right now. And like, you know, rather than leave, you know, in bad terms with the company, you know, the best way for her to go about it is just saying that she's going into acting. But to be honest, I mean, we've been looking at the, at the Divas division go down for some time. And, you know, we had glimpses of hope when, you know, when they brought Karma in and we thought that, uh, you know, possibly they might see, you know, some good competition going in as though when we look at TNA with their knockouts. But I don't know. I think they're, I think the WWE is looking more in the glitz and glamour than just the, the, the athletic aspect itself. I mean, you got Natalia. I mean, you look at the, the big girls in the game right now. You got Natalia. You got Beth Phoenix. You have Tania right there. Those girls right there should be dominating the Divas division. You know, but, you know, as, as you're looking at it now, you know, they're giving the strap to the pretty girls. And, you know, and she, she might have a point. Well, you know what the funny thing is? TNA, for some reason, is also in the same boat. It's funny you brought them up because a lot of people are saying now that Bruce, that Bruce Pritchard is running talent relations, he's not really a fan of women's wrestling, so that's why the knockouts have kind of fell by the wayside. And if you look at it, Angelina Love left. Velvet Sky didn't re-up. Winter didn't re-up. Mickey James is supposedly nursing an injury. Rosita, we haven't seen. Sarita, we haven't seen. And when we do see them, it's, you know, possibly on, like, TNA Explosion. All we see is ODB, which is fine, because, you know, she's good to have out there. Uh, Madison yeah. Rain, Tara, and Miss Tessmacher. You see practice, and Gail Kim when they feel like it. But so it's, the, it's almost the same thing. It seems both companies are just alienating the divisions, especially in TNA's case, that made them, that gave them some of the highest numbers in their in their broadcast history. I mean, there were times in Impact where where the women wrestled and they outrated the men. Well, we recently saw, uh, you know, a few months a few months back where uh, uh, a knockouts match was the main event of the night. Like, when if ever would you ever consider seeing that? Of that's course, why I, say I find it, you know complex and to, to hear that you know that they're actually going to pull away from 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 the knockouts or even you know even just just to disregard them as a whole well you know when it comes to when it comes to women's wrestling i always feel that the independents have a better you know you look at shimmer especially shimmer you look you look at their at their roster and some of the talent they got and it just puts it just puts anything on broadcast television to shame i understand where the wwe looks at it because they want to have sexy women there and they want to kind of uh titillate and get and get the young the young guys you know the younger guys into it but 
on the same note, if you're going to consume 15 to 20 minutes of my television viewing time, get yeah, I understand. You know, we we we're we're going to look at boobs and we're going to look at ass. It's going to happen. It's just it's just a right. natural thing, but give us throw some wrestling in there instead of just well, hair yeah. hair pulling and terrible forearms. Yeah, that's what that, that that's where we're looking at that the the division is pretty much going to now when it comes to the diva because now it's like you know you're, you're trying to have your cake and you want to eat it too where you're saying you know we're PG but yet we still want to make sure that you guys see some type of cat fight going on and it's still you know sexy because but nah real wrestling and real real wrestling fans know that you know whoever you throw out there we're gonna enjoy and then you know if you got a you know tasty lady in there also we'll make it even better but. With that being said, we still want to see wrestling, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, and the worst part of that is that the that a lot of the women they're they're seeing new opportunities come from their wrestling work, and what they're doing is they're just using wrestling as a way out. So the the funny thing is WWE invests all this money and time into building these athletes up, and the crazy part is they're not even that good from a wrestling standpoint. But as soon as they see the door, they're out. Stacy Keebler is a great example of that. Um, obviously Kelly Kelly, Trish Stratus kind of left on her own terms, but the, in Trish Stratus's case, at least she, she's always a good sport. Hey, I'll come back. I'll do this. I'll do that. But somebody like Kelly Kelly, who she's, you know, she's not even 30 years old and she's like, ah, I may come back. I may not. And, and talking about, Oh, you know, I want to reduce schedule or, Oh, I want to do this. And it's like, you were a fitness model. You were a, a calendar girl before all this. Now, you're in the maximum 100. We gave you opportunities, and you're already looking for the door. It's like you got to find women that are in it for the long haul, and above all else, they're women that you can shape into the quote unquote, you know, sexy women that you wanna you wanna have. Who who's to say that you can't get great talent and just pretty them up a little bit when need be, but still have great wrestlers? What's the problem with that? Yeah, it's like you said, you know, right now in the indie circuit, you know, you get a, 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 a group of, of women who are just out there who are diehard. I mean, they're out there in the, in the circuit, you know, going in, you know, five five nights, you know, getting, you know, shit paid for 25 or even less, you know, sometimes going out there for free. And they put in, you know, bigger bigger work hours than a lot of these guys, you know, who, who, who just take it as a joke. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you got to see – where 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 the real passion is coming from when it comes to the industry, and, you know, and I think a lot of these these, these companies, you know, they, they put it by the wayside where they go, okay, so you, you know uh, the difference between the arm bar and a wrist lock, but um, how's it gonna look, you know, when you're wearing a tight skimpy outfit, you know, and you know, it, and that's you know that's sad when you look at it at the end. Yeah, I think that's that's something that's hurt them, and um, the 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 problem is that. The women that they get in there, like I heard they signed Sarah Del Rey, and um, some people said that she was going to be a trainer. Some people said she's going to wrestle. Some people said that she's going to be on the next season of NXT, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? You're, you're going to take a, a woman who can probably out-wrestle three-quarters of your female roster and probably a, a, a couple of your men, too, and you're relegating her to NXT. Well, you see what, what NXT has become now. Before it was this big, you know, hoopla competition, and you know, you see when 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 we had the likes of Daniel Bryan in NXT, and everybody looked at themselves like, "Really? <laughs> Did you have him here?" You know, and now NXT has become, you know, 
it's pretty much um, FCW. They just don't want to say it yet. You, know, yep. you got a lot of the, the, the minor leaguers there now, and uh, which is not a bad thing, but you still you're still looking at the card and you're like, come on. I mean, Richie Steamboat could probably outclass. You know, I wrestle a lot of these guys in, in a minute, but um, I, I don't see it as a bad thing. But if you just if you use if you're using the the, the promotion properly. Instead of just like you know throwing it out there, and just hey, let's let's throw shit up against the wall, and see if it's art. Then you're gonna really you know you're gonna destroy it. You're gonna destroy even you know the up and comers. Well, the thing with NXT also is that okay, you're relegating them to NXT, but you have three hours of television, three, and you spend more times recapping what happened at eight o'clock at nine thirty than showing wrestling. I don't need yeah, to I, see I, the I, first I would... promo four times before. 1030. You know, I was, I was so speaking about this with someone the other day where I said, you know, as much as people gave, you know, a lot of shit to WCW about the early days with the three hours. But at least when I went and I watched WCW, WCW with the, the Nitro and I had three hours of it, at least I know I was going to see a good quality of wrestling. You know, at your first hour, you even had, you know, they even you know, brought the cruiserweights out there. That's where you saw, you know, you know, the up and coming. Three hours on a major network like USA, you should be able to prom- promote as many wrestlers as possible, you know, and you're still sitting there. And mind you, I'm not, you know, I'm not too against with the vignettes. The vignettes have actually been pretty good. But like you said, if you keep beating the dead, you know, beating the horse and you just keep beating it, you know, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get tired of it. That's why you see the quarterly hours, you know, they get everybody's changing to, to Monday Night Football. Yep, they change on the quarterly hour because it's like, all right, we know they're going to recap this segment. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. The the Daniel Bryan Kane segments beautiful. They're they're great. They help they help give Daniel Bryan some personality. That's fine. But when you got to show CM Punk's promo three times, when you got to recap that Jerry Lawler had a heart attack three times, like we know, we know he had a heart attack. Show, you know, show his interview. Get the interview out there, and and then move it along. It's like it's like you're making it seem like the guy died. He didn't. You know, he had a heart attack. He's fine. Do the interview, and that's it. Keep it moving. But that's the shit yeah. that kills me. And then it's like, be, between all that, I understand the backstage segments. They set the tone for some of the matches. But we don't need to see the same four segments from earlier on in the night recapped. Oh, in case you're just tuning in, it's like, I doubt they're just tuning in. And we live in a, in, in a society of DVR. We know what the fuck happened. Yeah. And then, you, you, you I mean, look. Because you, 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 we get it. You're using social media as fully, as full as you can. You know, I, I see it, you know, the towel, the Twitter. We get it. You know, to me, I, I, you know, I look at it sometimes. I go, WWE acts like they're really losing money. I mean, you're going to dip, and you're going to have your dips, and then you're going to have your explosion when fans are going to come back. But as long as you stay consistent and give what the fans want, and which is wrestling, just let us see the wrestling, and then let us make this, let us be the judge and say, look, you know, we want to know a little bit more about this person, so bring the promos out. So you know, your fan reaction will do it for you. They only, I mean, they, they act as though it's like they, you know they haven't been here before. We we've seen it. So just like you know. I think if they were more open to letting the wrestlers wrestle and just like you know, not have to you know, you know promote so, social networking so much, I think you know we could get back to where we want and which is getting back to the mat. Well, the the thing is, if you're gonna if you're if we're gonna go social media and it's like, all right, you want to show what's trending, the graphic in the corner, that's fine. But we don't need a twenty minute spiel on this is trending. 
This was trending five minutes ago. Because, again, it detracts from the match, and it feels like an infomercial. Same thing with Tao. I went. I had the, I had the privilege of going to, to to Blog World earlier this year, and I got to meet the VP of Tout before Tout even blew up. Tout's claim to fame at the time was that Shaq announced his retirement on their service. That was it, and their partnership with WWE has been huge for them. Now they're doing stuff with the Wall Street Journal, and again, Tout is a great company. And now WWE even invested money into the company. But the fact remains that you plug the service. And it works. But if you want to do something with Tout, why don't you tie it into some angles? Why don't you make it that CM Punk is at the airport and him and John Cena get off a flight and he hits John Cena in the arm with a pipe. He pulls a pipe out of his bag and hits him in the arm in the airport and he touts it. Like, oh, look at, look at, your, look at your boy on the ground. At least then the social media has some relevance versus show, showing, you know, John in Kentucky that wants to say that CM Punk is a clown. Seriously, who gives a shit? Yeah, well, you, you gotta make sure you trademark and copyright that because I can see that as a, as a segment for next week's rule. <laughs> Seriously, but, but but you know what? It's true though. It is. I mean, remember back in the day when Stone Cold and The Rock were feuding, and The Rock was walking through the airport, and he got a t- a page from Stone Cold that said three sixteen, and he's like, "Ah, this jackass thinks he he can get me with his three sixteen. And Stone Cold came out of the luggage rack and whooped his ass in the airport. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that, that was because remember nowadays we're looking at it where you know you have a lot of you know individuals that are talking about well you know internet kill wrestling or it's killing it now, but you know you shouldn't have it you shouldn't have it killing you now. You should use it as your advantage. You take it and you spin it and you you know like you said you, you, you use the talent that way. You know you use the, the YouTube that way and like just don't don't give us the overkill. We under we we get it. You guys are using the social media. You know we get it. You know, just let's let's get back to where we want to get to. You know, give the little vignettes in the corner and put it right back into the action. Well, on on the subject of social media, I wanted to I want to share this story with our listeners, which I forwarded to you. And um, this was this was a big story for a couple of reasons. Some people wanted some clarification on it, so I'm going to share it. And of course, this involved our WWE champion CM Punk and a, and a coworker of mine. Uh, his name is Dave. I, I work with him. And what happened was, Dave says to me. Hey, I'm going to take my kids to meet Brodus on Saturday at Roosevelt Field Mall across from my office. And then I'm going to, we're going to drive to White Plains to catch the show because it was, we got really good tickets and we got second row seating. So I, I was pumped. You know, he's, he's, he's my colleague. I was pumped for him. He was doing a whole bunch of cool shit. His kids were excited. So uh, Sunday night, he texts me and he's like, yeah, you know, the show was awesome, but I got into an argument with CM Punk. And I'm like, what the? What are you talking about? So he's like, yeah, you know, we had an argument. CM Punk yelled at my kid. And I'm like, what? Hold on, hold on. So I told him to email me the story. And he's like, hey, you know, I, I sent a tweet to WWE and this, that, and the third. And I was like, all right, you're sending tweets to WWE and you're sending tweets to CM Punk. What the fuck is going on? So I told him to email me what happened. And I, I published it on the site. Now, for, for those that haven't read the article, basically, he went to the event. He was in the second row. CM Punk came out full on heel mode. There's actually a video of it on YouTube as well. He comes out and he goes into the ring. He he's stalling. He's facing the big show in in the main event and he's stalling and he takes off his shirt to throw it into the crowd. So my colleague is like, "Hey, it's Punk, Punk, you know, cuz he wants to catch the shirt for his kid." So he th- he he chucks the shirt directly 
at my at my colleague who catches the shirt and he gives CM Punk the thumbs up. Now, my colleague is a he 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 knows wrestling, but he's been out of the loop for a couple of years, like most parents are. Most parents watch Ooh. wrestling when they were kids, then their kids get into it, then they get back into it, and they don't learn all the nuances that you and I know. <laughs> so right, right. so he's there and he's like he gives CM Punk a thumbs up. So CM Punk is like, give the shirt to the girl. So, you know, my, my colleague is like, oh, he thought that CM Punk was talking about his wife, who was like a, a two seats over. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not going to give it to my wife. I'm going to give it to my kid. So CM Punk is like, no, give it to the girl. Give it to the girl, which was a girl that was a, a row over and, and towards the front. So, you know, my boy, you know, my colleague, he's like, uh, nah, you know, he's not. So he gives the shirt to his wife and then his son gets the shirt and the match goes on and what ends up happening is a guy that was sitting in front took the shirt from his kid and gave it to the girl further down that that CM Punk had pointed at to give the shirt to that's amazing that's some crazy (laughs) shit so you know yeah that that's the craziness so I decided you know he said hey publish the story if you want so I looked at the story and I said, damn, you know, you said the tweet to WWE and CM Punk. It's like, it's not that serious. But I, he was, he was frustrated because he was out of the loop and he didn't understand the whole, the whole heel scenario. He understood CM yeah. Punk was a bad guy, but you know, he, CM Punk threw the shirt into the crowd. That's not a heel thing to do. So I published the article and I said to myself, this is going to either go really good or really bad. So one of, one of our listeners said, Hey, I put the article on Reddit in the wrestling section and I was like, shit. By the time by the time the day ended, Monday afternoon ended, almost 1500 people read the article. There were 40 comments on Reddit just clowning, not only clowning my colleague, but you know, getting mad at me for publishing it because I published the article and you know, I I had elaborated on an experience I had with Brock Lesnar where we went to an autograph signing and some kids were like, Hey Brock, can you sign my toy? And he just ignored them. And he said, Hey, can we move it along? And I was like, damn, that's, that's some, that's some real dick. That's a dick move, especially cause it was like young kids. Hey, sign my toy. So no, no, no. I, I went to meet him at um video game central in Howard beach. You probably know where that is. Yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we went, I paid like 50 bucks to meet him, whatever. And you know, when I took the picture, this was right after he he said that to those kids. I was I was disheartened. So when I put it, I was like, "Listen, if I, if I were in my colleague's shoes, I would have caught a charge at that house show because you took a shirt from my kid." You know, like I would have whooped your ass. It, it, but then, of course, people people on the web they got bent out of shape about it, and of course, there were guys like, "Oh, well, why didn't your colleague punch the other guy in the face?" It's like I understand we're wrestling fans, and I understand that we. We're, we're aggressive in nature, but let's be fucking realistic. I am a, a, a you know, I'm a father with children. I'm not going to punch another guy in the face. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then, yeah. of course, people are like, oh, well, Punk was well, being well, a heel. I'm probably, I'm probably like, with the masses, because my thought process when I read the article is I said, well, I, I, honestly, there would have been two fights going on, one in the ring and one in the arena. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This is my thing. All right. You know, I, I, I was trying to explain earlier. Punk right now is a historian of, like, wrestling. He knows full heel mode. Like, he, you know, he's even talking about, you know, how, you know, I am Sheik, Piper, all those guys. Yep. So 
you know, and even exhibited to, uh, on Raw, you know, when on uh, his last entrance, when he came for his last promo, even his his his, his next role into how he's going to turn his heel on, right, to bring the heat. So, was that? You know, with, with the shirt going in the crowd, like I said, I, I had a feeling that a friend of yours is interesting and not really into it. Right. That's exactly it. My problem, yeah, but my problem becomes it's, it, it's more now the fans, because now the fans are like, it's not like how we were years ago. You know, when we were in the crowd and Piper came in and he insulted us while he was walking into the crowd, like, we we got it. You know, we, we, understood, we understood, you know, we're, you know, we're cursing all the kids may be. But now the fans are a little bit too involved. Yes. I mean, really, it's just a little bit too involved. And, you know, you're wanting to be part of the show a little bit too much. And you know what? They need to start. And this is why a lot of, of our fans get flagged. This is why we call Mars, whatever the case Because, you know, many of, many of them want to be too involved. And for you to take a T-shirt from a kid? Exactly. Like, that's not even healed. That's not even healed. That's just, I'm ready to fight. That's exactly. And that's the thing. So, you know, to see so many people and then it made its way to, to 420 Chan and people are like, oh, you know, the author's co- the author's coworker was, was a pussy for not punching the guy in the face. He didn't find out that the guy took the shirt till the match was over and his son was like, he was like, oh, you know, where's the shirt? And he's like, oh, you know, the guy took it and gave it to the girl. And he's like, what? So then, you know, after the match was over, he saw, he saw the girl's parent. Now, this girl, she was full on CM Punk fan. She was like about 15, 16 years old, he said. And she was like screaming, right. she had a sign and shit. So she was a hardcore fan. So I can understand why it went the way it went. But here's the thing, and this is what I what I kind of schooled my my colleague on, was the fact that CM Punk threw the shirt to you because he didn't want to give you the shirt. That was a prop for the setup. Right. He threw you the shirt because he wanted to yell at you. And there's nothing more heel than the guy giving you the shirt and telling you what to do with it. Right. You know, that's, but he didn't. Classic. Yeah, yeah he didn't classic. get it. He didn't get that because obviously he's out of the loop. I told him, I'm like, possession is nine tenths of the law. It's like you caught the shirt. <laughs> CM Punk was like, yo, give the shirt to the girl. If, if you if you would have known your wrestling, you would have put the shirt on and be like, nah. <laughs> you know, and exactly. CM Punk. Yeah, and CM Punk exactly. would have been like, shit, it didn't work. You know, and that would have been that. But when he came out Monday, he was eyeballing the little kids and stuff like that. But my colleague, he was out of the loop. And like I said, people love bad news. Yo, I've never seen so many people just get so angry. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the other part about that, you know, is that, you know, and it's frustrating to me also is that now, you get a lot of the fans now, and many of them are just, they're fans of the heel for the sake of him being a heel, and that's it. Like, you know, we've had the tweeners with the Stone Cold, you know, and the Rock was doing that. And stuff. So, like, right now, the heel is the hot, the hot fan to be. you got to be a heel fan. Yep. But you're not sitting there and taking in consideration, all right, is he a good heel or, like, is he that heel that, you know, he's getting cheap heat? You know, you know they don't recognize that. He's like, oh, you know, this guy's a man right now because, you know, he cursed somebody out. No, that's not how it goes. You know, you have to, admire, you, have to you know, take in consideration not only their promos, not only what they say, but can they make it work to make you say, damn, I can't stand. Like, one of the guys I can't stand, and I'll, and I'll be straight, I can't stand Cody Rhodes. I just can't. Like, I don't get it. I really don't. I don't I don't understand it. You know, a lot of people think he's a good wrestler, you know. But like I, I for me, he doesn't bring that heat factor, let's say, like the Dolph Ziggler brings in or you know, when Randy was the heel at the time, the good heel, you know. That's that that's what it is. Right now, guys, you know, 
guys are just, you know, yelling out for their real favorites because they just think it's a cool thing to do. It's true. I mean, I went, I used to go to ECW in the Elks Lodge when I was in high school, and I remember Bubba Ray Dudley came out and told a guy that he was a fat pussy on the mic. (laughs) He was like, you know what? My brother and me think that you're a fat pussy. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, because I was a younger fan and ECW was completely crazy at the Elks Lodge. And for him to come out and just really say that to the dude, obviously in the PG era, we can't do that. But that was Punk's way of doing it. And like I said, my colleague, he got, since he was so out of the loop, he, he, I told him, I'm like, dude, you got worked hard. And he, <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, I guess I did. And he's like, had I known now what I, had I known then what I know now, he's like, I would have put the shirt on, you know, or I would have been like, no, I'm not giving it to the girl. But he was like, I didn't realize that my son getting the shirt would lead to him getting it taken away. He's like, I didn't think about it, but I told him, I'm like, house shows are trial runs for gimmicks. CM Punk came out there and he said, let me try this with the shirt. Because I told him, like, when does CM Punk ever come out with a shirt, number one? Number two, when does he ever throw it into the crowd? And, you know, Dave was like, damn, you're right. He doesn't. Usually he comes out and he's either with the shirt on or with a hoodie over the shirt. Or if he takes the shirt off, it stays by the turnbuckle. He never gives it away. Because that's not a heel move. But since we're not yeah. on television, got to try something different. Well, like one of the biggest, the biggest heel moves that I saw for this, for, for this year was like Jericho. Jericho just pretty much trolled everybody. And just whoever didn't get it was upset. And <laughs> not only were they upset, they were just like, oh, my God, I think I just wasted the, the last five minutes of my life for no reason. And, I mean, it was, I mean, on Facebook, it was ridiculous. But I got it. I was sitting there going, oh, my goodness, he's making everyone look foolish right now, and it's beautiful. It's just this great heat. So that's the type of thing that people, the type of thing that people need to understand when it comes to this heat character. You know, we've all seen the old nuances, and we all see the old ways of how they do it. You know, going in the crowd, we disrespect my mother. You know, we call you know, you know, the town you live in, the, the, the shittiest town you've ever gone. When you find new and innovative ways or even take a spin on the old stuff, such as, you know, <laughs> you know, giving a kid a stare now, it's priceless. So with your friend, just tell them, look, get a little bit more part, uh, be part of wrestling again, and maybe you'll start to get the hang of what, <laughs> what happened that day. Oh, well, that, that was the thing. We actually, it, when I got into work Monday, it was funny because I wrote the article, and the, my, site, my site crashed for about 10 minutes. With wow. everybody checking out the article because, you know, it was like it, it, it went up to like a thousand views, a thousand fifty six views. And then, like I said, they shared it on Reddit from Reddit. It went to 420 Chan. And then it, I was bombarded by like I had to I had to put my phone on silent because it was emails from people commenting on the site. Then people then me getting Google alerts from what was going on in 4chan. People getting mad because I didn't because I didn't allow people to copy from my site because I don't I don't want people to plagiarize our work. Like, one guy was like, yo, who the fuck does this guy think he is that I can't right-click to copy what was said? And then it's like, he has a pop-up that says, don't steal our stuff. What, what, this guy acts like he's writing for the Associated Press. I'm like, oh, my God. And you know what the thing is? I'm so desensitized now from doing the show that it doesn't bother me. Like, had it been me two years ago, I would have wanted to find every one of those guys, knock on their door, 
and do a new jack and stab him with a screwdriver. <laughs> but, think, but you know. I think, I think right now you 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 in full heat mode without even knowing it. Well, you know what the funny thing was? All those people read it, commented, and everything. I wrote the follow-up, like, explaining and, and letting people know, like, the extent. Because people were like, oh, maybe he threw it at the girl and, and, and the co-worker got in the way and snagged the shirt. Or maybe the girl was a make-a-wish kid. Or maybe the girl was hot and CM Punk wanted to smash. And I'm like, all right. You know, CM Punk wanted to smash. That's all good. Whatever. You know, I'm not knocking the dude. That's great. But it was just my the the anger was misplaced you know my 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 colleague got mad because his kid's shirt got taken and and punk was yeah. the catalyst for that that's what it was like cm punk when it, when his kid was holding the shirt cm punk was yelling toward his kid also but that's that you know he didn't understand that that's all part of part of the act it's like when you buy that ticket it's almost like signing a waiver that anything can happen yeah we you know your, your sign is gonna get ripped up <laughs> you're gonna get water spit on you once triple h comes in it's like be prepared, because you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be in for the ride. <laughs> well, obviously, when when before you came on, I was telling people, you know, you you work with with Pro Slam World, and you're a correspondent. You do color commentary, and I want to get into that stuff because people are are are, are going to want to know. First off, how did you how did you go from fan to correspondent? How did that come about? Uh, I actually fell face first into a pile of good luck. Uh, I have a, I had a friend of mine, a real close friend of mine, who was wrestling in the indie circuit for some time. And, um, you know, they know I enjoyed wrestling for a year. You know, I've been a fan since, you know, as far as I remember. And, you know, I've always made comments. I've always talked about, you know, and my thing is that I'm not a big historian. Like, I know wrestling. I know the WrestleManias. I know all that, you know, all that, that, that pipeline stuff. But when it comes to wrestling for me, I'm more about, the theatrics of it. I'm more about the storytelling. I'm more about, you know, the talent of it. I've even told wrestlers who are coming uh, who are up and coming now, listen, you better take an acting class or two because, you know, you might be good in the ring, but your promo is shit. So with that, you know, he was one well, my son was working with the uh, the Pro Slam World uh, organization. And um, I, I spoke to him, I said, wow, you know, that's, that's good that you're getting back into wrestling. And he said, well, I'm not wrestling. I'm actually doing a... Uh, refereeing work. I said, oh, okay. You know, maybe, you know, I could come down to see. Long story short, uh, short, excuse me, long story short, uh, I helped uh, one of our YouTube videos uh, um, help editing and, and direct a promo. And then, you know, the promoter of the of the, of the company was like, wow, you, you really know your stuff. You know, you know the whole thing about it. And, you know, it, it, it just boiled into that we had the same, same interest. And he said, you know what, I have a show coming out. Would you like, you know, do some color for it? Sure, no problem. I didn't know what I was getting into. Honestly, I I didn't know exactly who he knew at the moment. And you know, they were tied into House of Glory, which is an uh, amazing red uh, wrestling gym that's his school. Yep. And one of the things that I, 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 I was into was just knowing that I'm going to meet Amazing Red. I, I know he's from the neighborhood, but I'm going to meet him. <laughs> and I kind of had a markout moment. And since then... You know, little by little, you know, they pretty much liked what I was doing. They liked my my, my color, and you know, I, I've been on. It's going to be a year and a half now. Yeah, man, Amazing Red has been on the show. He's been on our show three or four times. Our our wives are good friends, but it, it's funny because he came on and and we did. You know, I've covered the shows, and then you know, I watched you do color and Loren. I remember, I remember we did a show. We did a show when Red came on, and Lorenz Dean called. And um, Lorenz Dean called in full-on heel mode 
not realizing that I was that I don't do you know I don't do angles on yeah. air. So he calls up. He's like, "Yeah, Red, I'm gonna whoop your ass and all this stuff." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like, like I knew we were I knew we were being worked, but I'm like, "Wow, I can't believe we're being worked on air." So you know, it was, it was very funny. And I had to I asked him. I was like, "Dude, you know, was that you know was that legit? Were we getting worked?" And you know, we had a good laugh about it. But the beauty of of that is that when we started going to the shows and, and taking the photos and stuff, we, it gave me a better appreciation for it because the independents are not to say that you don't work as hard when you get to the main stage, but you have more at your disposal to hide any imperfections versus when you're on the indies, you go out there, you you may go out there one week with one gimmick. It may suck. And then you got to go back out there with another gimmick the following week. Yeah, when uh, you know, we 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 see like a lot of guys, especially that are that's coming up now. You know, their their first premise that they think is, oh man, I got to be like such and such from this from this this big promotion. You know, we right. want to be the WWE, we want to be the TNA, the Ring of Honor guy. But what they need to capture first is. You know, and this is why you know sometimes they expect them. You need to know who you are first. You know, before you do anything, what are you going to be comfortable doing, and what can you do? We have a, a wrestler who is um, uh, pretty in pink, Brandon Resto. When you see this guy come out, the just the flamboyant character <laughs> that it is, you look at this guy and you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> what's yep. going on here?" And you know, this is a guy. I mean, there's not a lot of guys who be able to capture, you know, capture that, that essence and go out there and put it on. You know, and you have to learn how to work out the kinks. That's why I really enjoy when I work on the indie shows because that's where you see where the kinks are being worked out and you see the passion is there. Yeah, the the beauty of that was I when when Brandon Resto came out. I remember the first time I watched him wrestle, and he came out. I remember he came out to to Bad Romance by Lady Gaga, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so he comes out. And he's gyrating on this dude. And it was funny because I hadn't seen something like that since the old Adrian Adonis days growing up or even the old Goldust days, you know. I was just like, I I was impressed with not only how well he played the gimmick, but how how believable he was into it. It was it was insane. I'm watching. I'm like, you see people all freaked out. I'm like, oh, man, this is this is great. And that's he's one of the guys that I feel is is incredibly talented and understands the magic of of living that gimmick. Like that's a guy that he's practiced that gimmick at home. He knows how it works. Then he comes in, he he tweaks it in front of every live audience till it's good. Another guy who who who's wrestled on a couple of shows is Panda Man. That guy he's he, he's got his gimmick down to a science. The kids love it. The right the right music. It works out well and he wrestles good too. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because, you know, when, when you speak to these guys and tell them, look, you, you just fell into luck right now. When you get a gimmick, like a Panda Man gimmick, and you can work in the ring, you can take that far. You know, you just have to be comfortable in using it. Another wrestler that I like that I, I <laughs> you know, I've seen, I've seen him work, and when he gets on the mic, it's just like energy is Rob Fury, the arrogant superstar. Ah, uh, yes. Mean, you know, Ass. <laughs> we have, yeah, arrogant himself. Uh, he had I actually was, uh, I was I was working the show and he's on the mic and he I mean he worked the crowd for a good ten minutes and I was almost like I had to cover myself because I was in 
bitches, how he just literally just, like, was tearing, like, everybody apart and just, you know, hate the whole demo. And that's the thing that you have to understand. When you're, in, when you're in the Indies, everybody, you know, they expect to see, you know, oh, well, you know, there's no pyro and there's, like, you know, whatever's going on. You know, that's what they think that they might see, but they're not getting that, that whole in-your-face, no guardrails, anything to just land on you anymore. And that's what's exciting. And I, and I want a lot of fans to understand that, like, nowadays, you know, we, we're seeing an emergence of indie that is, that is that's popping up. You know, you, like I said, we have the Pro Slam, we have um, House of Glory, we have uh, Fight the World, um, Fight Spirit. You know, you have a lot of these, especially coming out of New York City, you know, in, 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 the, in the East now. So, you know, real wrestling fans, and even those who not, you know, stop bringing them in. You can, uh, uh, you can look at these guys and go, wow, you know, this guy's actually pretty good. You know, a year from now, you might actually see them at a, you know, on television. Well, you know what the thing was, too, that I liked? It's like, and, and here's where it gets crazy. I said, when, when I saw you guys doing color, I said to myself, this is how you know technology and the evolution of, of wrestling and even citizen journalism, anything, has come so far. Because think about this. Who would have thought that you'd you'd be able to sit there and do commentary and people could watch it now, with, you know, for an indie show, not not a YouTube video, not somebody capturing uh, what's going on, but a legit play by play. It just it just doesn't it, it's not something that's happened. And it's funny because there's so many things now they sell so much stuff like you can buy a live streaming kit for 500 bucks. You right. plug it into a computer, you plug it into a camera you plug that into a uh, a web card, and you can actually just broadcast your entire mat, all the matches, everything with color to the world, for 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 less than for you know less than than the cost of, of a high grade sixty inch television. It's insane. I remember I did I did my first my first full blown official you know that I I, I looked up my around and I said you know what I'm gonna like this. I did the first House of Glory show, and. Myself and Lorenzine did not have a table. We did the whole night standing up, doing color, and, and playing up. The whole night, just on our feet. And that had to be the most energetic night because it wasn't like as though like I'm sitting there and I'm not, you know, interacting too much with, with, the, with the performers. I was actually able to walk up to them while they're coming in, cut a promo, once they leave the ring, you know, have a quick uh, segment, and then they're gone. It was just like... That moment was magic. Like I was like, wow! I know that I, I, I think I, this is really cool. this is my 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 first step in, and um, one of the second, and you know, like blow your mind moments is that I did a, a spot uh, promo with Jay Lethal. That guy was intense. Backstage, real cool, real real metal. You know, we, we joke back and back and forth. As soon as the lights hit, as soon as the match is on. When he grabbed my arm and told me I'm not done yet, I was like in full mark mode. <laughs> it was amazing. It was crazy. Well, that's that's one thing too. When when you've when you've started getting into you know the the analysis and the color commentary, how do you how do you even prep for that? Not to say that you're doing it on the fly because I'm sure there's some prep, but but mentally, how do you know when you're out there like, oh man, I got to shut down mark mode and get into you know Michael Cole Jr. mode, Gordon Soley mode. How do you know when to shut that off? Like, is it something where you feel that it's better to go all natural with it, or do you fit, or do you feel that you got to kind of practice and get yourself in the zone to do it? 
Well, I am. Um, luckily, I've I've had some type of theatrical training, and you know, from when I was growing up in high school and stuff like that. So I, you know, and pretty much when it comes to my circle of friends, or whatever, you know, I I need the spotlight on me. So <laughs> that that, that kind of helps. But when it comes into you know when we're doing color, the first thing I think about is, look, you're not the only one that's here. You got a whole bunch of people that's here that's gonna be watching you guys. You know, regardless if they're gonna hear you or not, they're gonna see the interaction. Now, when I work, I work as a face commentator. So that's pretty much uh, it's a little bit more tricky because everybody else likes to be the bad guy and really wants to, you know, be, you know, they want to take the, the heat or, you know, saying the wrong stuff. And when you're the face, everybody thinks of you as a corny, you know, lighthearted type of commentator. But, you know, if you look at some of the stuff that I've worked in and I've done, with, a lot of times I have, you know, I'm able to work a little zippy line here and there. And with that, you know, it, it puts me in a place where I'm like, okay, I'm working with these guys. I can mark out afterwards when the match is over. Like that's when I'll, I'll do it. But other than that, let me just keep my composure and know that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lock it down for the, the next few hours, and afterwards I can just run to the back and be like, listen, can I get your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that's the thing too. Like I, you know, we we've covered a couple of shows already for the site, and um, you know, it's it it's a great experience, and I I'm honored and I enjoy being able to to use my platform to shine the spotlight on, on these guys only because you, you know every little bit of uh, of of publicity helps i mean a lot of these guys they go they become fans on the fan page sometimes they got gigs coming up i go hey you know go check this out or go check this i mean you know i can cite guys like red alex reyes they're guys that they'll stop through on the fan page they'll check out some stuff they'll comment on some stuff and, it, and it's cool and it's good because it it helps other people that go, oh, shit, you know, let me go check that guy's work out. Every little bit helps, especially on the indie circuit, because there's there's too many, there, there, it, there's too much negative stigma associated with it. And what people forget, what people forget is that it's probably one of the most intimate atmospheres where you can get closer than you can get at any major show to some, to, to some of your favorite wrestlers. It's just a fact. Yeah. Uh- you use the word that I use, you know, many times when I try to explain it to everybody else, which is intimate, because, you know, there could be a show where it's only 50 people, or there's going to be a show where it's 250 people. But at any moment, you know, you can be, you know, there and know that, you know, it's 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 right in front of me. Like, I don't have to see it through a screen or, like, I'm at the upper tier at the garden. It's right there, you know, and, and, and at any moment, like, somebody could just, you know, go do a barricade or shake my hand or it's there. And, um, I, I bring my, my five-year-old, you know, she, she got into wrestling, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty much a wrestling family. But I bring my five-year-old to the show, and she, I mean, she's in full, you know, thumb down to the heels. She's uh, throwing high fives to the, to, to the faces. And that, that to me, is what's the part that, that brings it back to when I used to watch wrestling as a kid, which is, you know, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have the talking about, you know, you just had the wrestlers, and you had the good guy versus bad guy who was going to win. And that's what I think the indie circuit is bringing back to the fans. I agree a hundred percent. Well, to, before we wrap things up, I just want to let everybody know that um, we got a. You actually have a show coming up next month, which is going to be with Pro Slam World. It's going to be October twenty first, and you're actually going to be in Pacific Hall, not the uh, not in uh, near House of Glory. There's a different location, and you guys are going yeah, to have a full on show. There you go. This place looks like it's going to be a little bit, uh, once again, it's another word that we're going to be, it's going to be a little bit more intimate, and it's also, you know, 
the fans are going to be, you know, it's going to be right in your face. You, you're going to feel, you know, you're going to feel the sweat flying up, the heat from the rest of it. You know, I can give you all the gimmicky lines, but you know what? It's true. That's what we're going to have at this venue now. Nice. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and swing through for that. I know that there's a, House of Glory has a show this weekend, which I actually put on our fan page. So I'm hopefully going to try and stop through through one of these events, hopefully just to get some FaceTime, get some photos, and, um, of course, most importantly, you know, get to actually, like, take some time and, and speak to you off air, you know? Yeah. We need to do some, some wrestling bonding, you know, behind the scenes. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, obviously they can they can get the details at facebook.com forward slash PSW Wrestling. Um, where can people keep up with you? What social media outlets do you like to use? Uh, where do you like people to communicate with you? Hey, uh, everybody has you know who, who have me so far on Facebook. You already know. Come Monday, come Fridays, Facebook is my page. Come pay per view, I just dominate. You know, I get people who sit there and go, "Why is Jay Sanfi talking so much?" Because that's <laughs> what I do. And um, also check out our YouTube pages. Uh, check out my Jay Sanfi page. We have uh, I, I have videos up there. We have a full length. Uh, video from last year, the Thanksgiving Throwdown, which was a confirmation of all of the, the, the matches from last year. There's a, a great video, got some good views on there. And um, check out ProSlam. You know, they're, they're here to the match. They fancy here. All right. All right, man. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk some wrestling with us, and most importantly, just to share a little bit about your background. I'm actually dropping the links in the uh, chat. But, um, yeah, man, let's try, let's try and get up soon, and, you know, if you ever want to do some stuff with us, just hit me up and we'll we'll work it out. Anytime. Next time I'll make sure that my triple play is working perfectly next time. Thanks. Sounds good, man. <laughs> Thanks, brother. So yeah. Have a good one. Peace. All right, guys, that was Jay Santee. Like I said, you can find him on Facebook. Make sure to hit up facebook.com forward slash PSW Wrestling. Also check out his YouTube channel, uh, Jay Santee, S-A-N-T-I 22 PSW all those links are in our chat, and you can also find those links in the show notes when we publish the show on MyTakeRadio.com and also when we share it on iTunes. That's going to wrap up the wrestling segment. Let's get into some video games because there's actually quite a bit of stuff this week that I actually want to discuss. Let's get the ball rolling. Right, we got a couple of things going on with video games this week that I wanted to share with you guys. First up, for those of you looking forward to WWE 13, there's a couple of great modes that have been added, which I'm actually looking forward to trying out. They added the I Quit match, which of course hasn't been seen in a while. We're gonna, uh, they're say, I'd want to say at least five or six years, maybe a little longer since we've seen an I Quit match. So you're gonna get an I Quit match, you know, one on one, no holds barred. And um, the I Quit minigame is going to be used with the breaking point submission. And once that's done, that'll actually dictate whether they're going to quit or not. Also added, which which is always a fun thing to do, is King of the Ring. Um, you'll be able to do a King of the Ring tournament. Either 4, 8, or 16 participants can be involved. And you can do the tournament in a couple of customizable ways. Normal, backstage brawl, Hell in a Cell, Iron Man, Ladder Match, Last Man Standing... Steel Cage, Submission, Table Match, TLC, and Extreme Rules. And, of course, they do a little coronation cutscene when you get crowned King of the Ring, which is always nice. Adds a little bit of uh, nostalgia and realism to 
the presentation. Uh, WWE 13, obviously focusing on the Attitude Era, looks to be promising. The only thing I've, I don't like is that the rendering for some of the wrestlers looks a little bit softer than usual. They did a comparison, which I saw not too long ago. I think it was on PR Gamer on Facebook, where they show a, a picture of The Rock from last year's WWE game and from this year's. And The Rock actually looked more lean in the previous WWE game than now. Now he looked a little soft, less defined, which is strange considering that The Rock is you know ginormous now, super cut, super lean. And they really didn't go the way they should have, but I'm assuming that that's just early pictures, and I'm hoping that that changes by the time the game is released. But if you wanted some incentive to pick it up, like I said, the Return of the I Quit match plus the King of the Ring should keep it interesting. Also, wanted to talk about some other DLC that they're putting out for DC Universe. For those of you that don't know, DC Universe on the PlayStation 3 is free to play. You can also do a paid version, which entitles you to a lot of the updates. But I actually went out of my way to upgrade my PS3 to check it out. DC Universe Online is very fun, and they're introducing a new DLC, which allows you to add utility belts to your characters, plus a couple of story-driven storylines from Metropolis and Gotham City, plus some PvP some PvP characters that fall under the Legends category. Now, of course, as I mentioned, DC Universe Online is free to play, and if you want to add the expansion, it'll cost you 10 bucks. but if you're doing a subscription, then that's going to be free. So, if you haven't played DC Universe Online and you have a PS3, I recommend you do. It's a, it's a really fun game. People don't give it enough credit. I enjoyed it very much. I was surprised at how much I, I did enjoy it, and it gives, you know, it has a little bit of City of Heroes in there, a nice little bit of... Uh, are of PC gaming behind it. And it's really enjoyable to play. And like I said, above all else, it is free. So do yourselves a favor, check out DC universe online. And if you want to get your hands on the expansion pack, it is nine 99. Now a game that's been out of the news for a while. And that's just because people have been playing other things is left for dead. Turns out that the director for cabin in the woods said that they were actually going to do a, a cabin in the woods level for left for dead. He shared that on Reddit but the only reason that the oper- that the project got scrapped was because MGM actually went into bankruptcy, which obviously delayed the film and affected the um, expansion pack for Left 4 Dead. I honestly think after seeing Cabin in the Woods, which was actually pretty enjoyable, that it would have been really crazy to play Left 4 Dead in a Cabin in the Woods atmosphere. So to hear that it didn't happen, you know, it kind of sucks, but you never know. Maybe they'll do something down the road with another movie and tie it into left for dead who knows i'd like to see that maybe do something with uh, the walking dead it would be fun to throw something in there maybe an inside reference maybe a rick grimes badge or a a, a daryl reference something something like that just to bring it full circle it's unfortunate that the cabin in the wood thing the cabin in the woods thing fell through but again you know left for dead is still a fun game so hopefully we'll we'll, we'll maybe they'll go back and they'll release it down the road as a DLC. That would have been kind of (laughs) awesome. Obviously, Slick is a little upset. He said, maybe they should just fucking make Left 4 Dead 3. I can't argue that. Left 4 Dead, I got into it a little late. Um, Slick was part part of the reason why I got into it. And it's a fun game, man. It's it's really enjoyable. I haven't got into Dead Island, which is Slick's crack right now. But um, everybody really enjoys it. So... We'll see what happens with expansions for Left 4 Dead, and obviously many of us want Left 4 Dead 3. Now, we got a double dip coming up, and this time it's going to be for Saints Row the Third. 
They're going to be releasing Saints Row the Third, the full package, on November 6th in North America and November 9th everywhere else. You're going to get all the DLC, including Gangsters in Space, Trouble with Clones, Genki Bowl 7. You're going to get over 30 items from the Shark Attack pack, Witches and Wieners pack, Special Operations pack, and the Genki Girl vehicle pack. So you're going to get all that. It's going to cost you 50 bucks for the 360, the PS3, and the PC. So there's a nice double dip. If you haven't picked up Saints Row the Third, it's a fun game. Make sure to, obviously for 50 bucks with all the DLC, tremendous savings. Pick it up if you want, and November 6th is your target date. In some other news, a couple of months back, we were talking about Sly Cooper debuting on the PS3 and the Vita, and we actually have a release date now. Sly Cooper Thieves in Time will be available for the PS3, Vita, and PSN on February 5th. Note, though, that if you're picking up the PS3, either retail or PSN, you will get the Vita version for free because it is cross-play compatible. So make the, take that in mind if you are picking up Sly Cooper, that when you bag the PS3 version and you have a Vita, you will get the Vita version for free. Now, if you've been to MyTakeRadio.com over the last couple of weeks, you'll see that Slick did a review of The Amazing Spider-Man. It seems now that the exclusive pre-orders that were put out with the game are now available as DLC. Those are as follows. The Rhino Challenge Pack, Oscorp Search and Destroy Pack, Lizard Rampage Pack, Stanley's Adventure Pack are all available. The Rhino and Oscorp packs are going to run you $2.99, the Lizard and Stan Lee packs are going to be $3.99, but you can bag all four for $10. All the content is going to be available for the PS3, the 360, and on the PC through Steam. So if you have The Amazing Spider-Man and you want to take a crack at the DLC, you'll be able to pick that up, like I said, for either of those consoles. In some other DLC news, Fall of Cybertron also got some, some DLC put out, and that's going to be as follows. For the 360, PS3, and for the PC, you get the Massive Fury Pack, which includes multiplayer characters with full body and individual body parts for the character creator. You're also going to get some single-player campaign items. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get Kickback from the Insecticons, Sharp Shot from the Insecticons, and also Hard Shell, who is, uh, of course, also seen in Transformers Prime. Not only that, but with that DLC, you'll get the G1 Retro Optimus Prime, You'll also get Autobot Hound. You'll get some single-player campaign stuff. You'll get a Generation 2 Bruticus character skin. You'll also get a G1 Shockwave Blast Cannon weapon and a Megatron Pistol Gun weapon for your created characters. That's going to run you 800 Microsoft points or $9.99 for the PC and, of course, for the PlayStation. So you'll be able to pick that up, 800 at Microsoft points or $9.99. Yes, Slick, I know Hard Shell is dead. I know. I didn't want to spoil that, but fuck it. You forced my hand. Yes, Hard Shell gets killed in Transformers Prime. Boo, boo. If you guys have been watching stuff from E3 and also from Tokyo Game Show, you know that uh, Injustice Gods Among Us is the next game from the DC Universe. And right now, it seems that they are focusing on releasing a limited edition collector set which you can pick up for the PS3 and 360. You're going to get a 13-inch collectible statue with Batman and Wonder Woman. You're also going to get two issues of a new DC comic book series. You're going to get a digital download of DC Universe Online's uh, animated film Justice League Doom. 
You're also going to get three exclusive skins for Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman from the DC Comics New 52 series. Also, here's something crazy. If you are in the UK, you're going to get a different statue, and you're also going to get a steelbook case. Now, obviously, they're going to borrow a little bit of the Mortal Kombat elements for this game, as you get to play as Batman, Cyborg, Harley Quinn, Nightwing, Solomon Grundy, Superman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, and a couple of other DC heroes and villains. Um, The funny thing is that you'll get to fight in the game, but you get to use throw cars at some of the people you're fighting. You get to rip out pieces of buildings. Um, It definitely looks very, very, very well done. Some people are saying that the combat is a little clunky, but if you guys remember, Mortal Kombat versus DC had a little bit of clunky combat, but it was it was rather enjoyable. It wasn't as good as the new Mortal Kombat, but it was definitely a fun game. So it seems that the DC Universe is going to throw their hat into the fighting game arena full steam, and I'm hoping it delivers only because, you know, we can't just keep playing Marvel versus Capcom forever. But I will say this. If it fails, then DC needs to really go back to the drawing board, and I'd like to see the Capcom publishers take a crack at not only the Marvel Universe, but the DC Universe, and do them hand-drawn, just because I think it would be a a better approach for characters like that. I'd love to see the Capcom crew get their hands on some of the iconic DC characters and draw them and throw them in a game, just because it would be fantastic. Obviously, the fanboy in me wouldn't mind a Marvel vs. DC game. That shit would be amazing, especially if, if Capcom did it. Because you can have so much fun and you can do some real over-the-top stuff like a giant Superman heat vision blast or, you know, Batman doing all his different attacks, fighting Deadpool. Stuff like that is is awesome. And like I said, I think the 2D sprites would work a lot better. Another double dip that's coming out involves everybody's favorite Italian assassin, Ezio Auditore. And that's going to be the Assassin's Creed Ezio Trilogy which, get this, will be in stores November 14th for 40 bucks, and that's also going to include Brotherhood and Revelations plus Assassin's Creed 2. Now, the f- crazy thing also is that you're going to get that DLC, Bonfire of the Vanities, and the Battle of Forley, but it's only exclusive to the PS3, so if you have a 360, you're going to be kind of left out in the cold. Speaking of Marvel and Capcom, which I mentioned earlier... If you haven't had the opportunity, I recommend you check out Marvel vs. Capcom Origins on Xbox Live Arcade, 1,200 points, or on the PS3 for 15 bucks. That actually includes Marvel Superheroes and Marvel vs. Capcom from the 90s. The games get beautiful HD graphics. They look really good. And you're also going to get uh, GGPO Enhanced Online Play. You get eight-player lobbies and spectator mode. Be on the lookout for a review and hopefully some gameplay footage. Within the next couple of days, I'm I'm shooting for Sunday for that, but we shall see how it pans out. All right, guys. Wow, that uh, that was a pretty fast and furious game segment. We're going to jump right into the entertainment segment and let's get the ball rolling. Spartans, what is your profession? All right, first up, Screen Daily's reporting that John Travolta has said that he will be doing an Americanized remake of The Killer, which will be produced by John Woo. The film is supposed to be in 3D and is being directed by John Lee off a script by Josh Campbell. Also, John Travolta said that he is working on a biopic for Vince Lombardi. Couple of things. 
Why are you going to make an Americanized version of The Killer? Leave that shit alone. I don't care if it's produced by John Woo. Let it be. The Killer is an amazing action film. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you do. Um, I'll make sure to throw a link for you guys to pick that up. Maybe you could pick it up from our Amazon store, which helps us out. I'll put that in the show notes, and you guys can check out The Killer for yourselves. In some other news, get this. Keith Ledger's film A Knight's Tale is going to be turned into a TV series for ABC. I have no idea why they're going to do that. A Knight's Tale was passable at best. And to turn it into a TV show? Yuck. But there is a bright spot in this week's entertainment news. And that involves Marvel, as usual. Get this. Kevin Feige sat down with MTV and was actually discussing the future of The Incredible Hulk whether in a solo film or doing, get this, Planet Hulk. He said, I don't think there's a lot we couldn't do someday as the cinematic universe grows and continues to expand and gets as big as the comic book universe, we could do Planet Hulk. Planet Hulk is a cool story. World War Hulk is a cool story. I think there's pitfalls of continuity overload and the mythology getting so dense that it almost collapses in on itself. It happens every few decades or so in the comics, Apart from that, I'd say everything is on the table. For those of you not familiar with Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, it is amazing. An amazing series. And I'll give you the story in a nutshell. Basically, we all know the Hulk. We love the Hulk. Hulk has gotten a little too out of control. And the bigwigs of the Marvel Universe, known as the Illuminati, comprised of Professor X, Black Bolt, Namor, Mr. Fantastic, Doctor Strange, and of course Iron Man, have decided that rather than kill the Hulk, they're going to jettison him off Earth and leave him in space somewhere. So what ends up happening is that they set some coordinates for him to go and land on a, on a distant planet. Turns out his ship lands on a planet that's under the rule of, a, of an evil king. And what pretty much ter- it pretty much turns into, at that point, the movie Gladiator involving the Incredible Hulk. Um, he fights his way through. He becomes king. At which point he decides, I'm going to go back to Earth and fuck shit up for these guys getting rid of me. Now, the crazy thing is that the the ship landing on that planet caused uh, the planet to destabilize. People got killed, including the woman that the Hulk married, who ended up giving birth to his son known as Scar. S-K-A-R-R. Wikipedia, that shit. Anyway, the Hulk takes some of, the, some of his fellow gladiators, hops on a ship comes back to Earth and fucks shit up. World War Hulk is amazing because the Hulk at that point reached a level that hadn't hadn't been seen since he was Smart Hulk. And that's a Hulk that was savage but intelligent, that was cunning but devious, that was also vicious. This is a Hulk that walked up to X-Mansion, said, I'm here for Professor X, and if you get in my way, I'm going to kill you all. And it was great because, you know, of course, Wolverine's going to come out and be like, well, let's go. Let's get it. Let's get it rocking. And the Hulk was just he was on a completely different level. He whooped Tony Stark's ass where to the point where he just crushed him out of his suit like a can. It was it was so well done. So well written. Greg Pak was amazing in this story. Do yourselves a favor. Get the graphic novel. uh, Read it online. Subscribe to it. World War Hulk and Planet Hulk were were just epic in so many ways. Not only that, but this also led to 
so many other repercussions throughout the Marvel Universe. Like I said, you had Scar, Son of the Hulk, which it's, it's kind of cool. Rulk, of course, Red Hulk, Red She-Hulk. So many things came out of that story. Rulk is actually one of my favorite characters because he's just so well done. For those of you that, don't, that aren't familiar with Rulk, um, he is Red Hulk, and he is Thunderbolt Ross, father of Betty Ross, who in turn is Red She-Hulk. Now, I don't want to spoil anything anything on how they became the, those those two characters, so do yourselves a favor, pick the pick up these books, get familiar, because if they pull the trigger on a World War Hulk movie, it would be amazing. Now, let me get now let me bring myself out of fanboy mode and go back into entertainment mode. Besides obviously the concept of World War Hulk and Planet Hulk, he was asked about doing a solo film. He said, do I think Hulk can carry a movie and be as entertaining as he was in Avengers? I do believe that. I do believe he absolutely could. We certainly are not even going to attempt that until Avengers 2. So there's a lot of time to think about it. Part of what's fun about the way we played with him in the Avengers is the ensemble quality. I think the pathos and humor, most importantly, what Mark and Joss brought to it, showcased a different element of Hulk that there is in the comics and was always inherent in his character. But when he was so brooding in his other films, he didn't get to have any of that sense of humor that Mark did such an amazing job performing. I mean, it is true. I think the Hulk, the Eric Banner Hulk was definitely more emotional, more angry. Then you get into the Edward Norton Hulk, which was more, he was the, the pinnacle of, of perfect Hulk. He was, you know, lean, angry, uh, extremely true to the books in terms of his mechanics and some of the stuff he did from Hulk smash to the thunderclap, all of that stuff was all Hulk, which was good, but the Hulk in the Avengers worked out because he was simple, but not simple to the point of being stupid. He was witty, but he was witty in a savage sense. You know, when he punched Thor or when he smashed uh, Loki, you got to see that. You also got to see it in the clip that I shared in the Blu-ray review. It's just something that the Hulk is such a great character, and he can he can work so well. But like, there's always that possibility that if he's not done right, it can bite you in the ass. So, again, if we're going to get another Hulk movie, let's make sure that we get Avengers out of the way. In some other sequel news, obviously a couple of weeks back, we were talking about Optimus Prime not being in Transformers. Well, I picked up the Huffington Post. I actually have the app on my iPad. And Michael Bay did an interview not only discussing pain and gain, but also Transformers 4. When asked about coming back to Transformers, he said, I thought I was done. Then the ride came out at Universal and two and a half hour lines. And then you're thinking, oh my God, someone's going to take over and ruin it. And you start doing a lot of soul searching. So I did pain and gain. And the studio says to me that they want to restart the franchise. So we decide we're going to broaden it up a bit, work on a couple of things and take another crack at it. He also went on to say that Optimus Prime is returning. Yes, he is returning. He went on to say the following. Peter Cullen is coming back. Optimus Prime will be returning. Of course, of course. So there you go, Michael Bay. You saved me from fucking destroying you on air for the foreseeable future. Now, as I said, you want to introduce new characters. You want to do Hot Rod. Uh, the Dinobots, let's, let's go that way. Let's definitely go that way. If you want to go off-world and go to Cybertron, do yourself a favor, Michael Bay. Grab the War for Cybertron games and Fall of Cybertron. 
play them, get familiar with the concept, and use that as your blueprint. I'm serious. That's the best way to do it. Because those guys, they took the mythology, they took even the Dinobots, and they integrated it as best as possible, and it worked. Minus the gameplay, all of that other shit, but the stories themselves were solid. Michael Bay, take notes. I'm telling you. All right, let's get into some box office numbers, which were a little weird this week. House at the End of the Street was number one. End of Watch was number two. Trouble with the Curve was three. Finding Nemo 3D was four. Resident Evil Retribution was five. Judge Dredd, unfortunately, debuted at six. The Master was seven. The Possession was eight. Lawless was nine. And Paranorman was ten. In some reboot news, get this, they are bringing back the Mummy franchise. Len Weissman is taking over, and um, he is going to be working on the reboot for the Mummy. It's being written by Jonathan Spaths, who did Prometheus, and is expected to return to theaters in 2014. Now, here's a bit of news that I thought was kind of swept under the rug, but it seems that that's not the case. It looks like Spy Hunter has finally found a director. They're going to go with Ruben Fleischer, who was involved with Zombieland. He signed on to direct and executive produce the game, uh, the game adaptation, well, the film adaptation of the game that we all know and love. Like I said, Spy Hunter fell into development hell. Originally, they were going to do it with John Woo in The Rock back in, I think, 2004. Then Paul, then Paul Anderson took over, but then he dropped the ball with that and decided to remake Death Race, which came out in 2007. Then they were going to do, um, they were going to try another reboot in 2010. So it looks like now... Once uh, Fleischer gets Gangster Squad out of the way, we, uh, we may see Spy Hunter start coming to fruition. So there you have it. In some other reboot news, Ivan Reitman actually was talking about Ghostbusters recently and said that he may just can the possibility of a third Ghostbusters and go instead with a remake. So the third Ghostbusters film may meet its end and we may see a brand new Ghostbusters with new guys debut in its place in some marvel news and i'm glad that she was not hurt jamie alexander who of course was sif in thor got injured on the set of thor the dark world uh, to the point where she was concerned about being paralyzed lucky for her she um she is on the mend and will continue filming the film once she gets better um all they said is that it was a pretty horrible injury they didn't say the specifics but um Hopefully she can get back real soon and it doesn't interfere with the rest of production. So get well soon, Jamie Alexander. Last week and the week before, we were talking about Hideo Kojima talking, uh, taking Metal Gear to the silver screen. Of course, Avi Arad, who was involved with X-Men and Spider-Man, will be producing the film. Now, Hideo Kojima has gone on record as saying who he would like to say who he would like to see as Snake. Now, we can all sit here and come up with our own casting, but Hideo Kojima definitely does his homework. He says he would like to see Hugh Jackman initially as Snake. That's where he wanted to go with it. But it seems that things have changed a little bit. Kojima, he was big on Hugh Jackman, and allegedly he's changed his tune. Um, He said that he might just want to go with someone new, a rising star, someone who hasn't been typecast as a character. and. Look, let's be realistic. You can go with a completely new actor and it may work. But honestly, in terms of like a legit actor that can Im- that can really immerse himself in a role, 
Hugh Jackman is your guy. If you guys have seen the photos for the upcoming Wolverine, or if you guys have seen Hugh Jackman in some of these other movies that he's in, he goes the extra mile. He busts his ass to get in shape. And not for nothing, he would make a pretty damn good snake. I gotta admit. And not only that, but it adds that box office appeal that'll make people want to spend some money. While he may want to go with a new guy, I think the initial Hugh Jackman idea could work. Definitely could. Mark Millar has been brought on board now to oversee some of Marvel's projects with Fox, including Wolverine, X-Men, and the Fantastic Four properties as well. So he's going to be involved in trying to make sure that those films keep all the elements from the characters that we all know and love. And not for nothing, Mark Millar has done some great work with Marvel, including The Ultimates, Civil War, and even Wolverine Old Man Logan. So if anybody can add a bit of flair to any of those properties, it's Millar. So I'm looking forward to see him involved with that going forward. It should be good, especially if they're going to continue doing Wolverine films. Mark Millar knows the character well, and I think he can add some great input. So be on the lookout to his involvement with X-Men, Fantastic Four, and also Wolverine. Last bit of movie news, well, last bit of entertainment news to wrap things up. Entertainment Weekly confirmed that The Dark Knight Rises will be in stores December 4th. You're going to have a special limited edition which comes with an actual broken Batman cowl. Just like you see on the poster for The Dark Knight Rises, that's actually going to come packed in with the movie. You're also going to get special features including the journey of Bruce Wayne, the Batmobile documentary, and about 17 featurettes as well. So if you want to get your hands on a nice piece of, of collectible memorabilia, get the limited edition Dark Knight Rises with the broken cowl. If you have the poster, you can display it in front of the poster for a little bit of dramatic effect. That's going to be a day one purchase for me, much like the Avengers. And your date for that, ladies and gentlemen, December 4th. All right. We actually sprinted to the finish, and we have plenty of time to spare. But that's actually going to wrap things up for this week. So let's get the hell out of here. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 156. For Thursday, September 27th, 2012. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR or be in any of our interview series, you can drop me a line at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're interested in writing or contributing, you can also email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We're always looking for great talent to add to our ranks, um, whether on a full-time basis, writing consistently, or on a contribution basis, we definitely are always looking for new talent that we can showcase on the site, especially if you are well-versed in wrestling or comics, entertainment, any of our, our core topics that you're well-versed in, send us a writing sample, we'll check it out, and if anything, we'll be in touch. You can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio, MySpace, which is getting a reboot, you can find us there. Become a fan on Facebook, Add us to your circle on Google+. And most importantly, you can pick us up on the MTR official app available for your Android and iOS devices. It's $1.99 cheaper than a cup of Starbucks. Not only that, but you get access to 96K stereo episodes of MTR. You get access to all our original interviews through MTR Beyond the Mic and MTR Behind the Mic. You also get wallpapers for your mobile devices and tons of other cool stuff as well. This week, we will be publishing our interview with Adam J, which is going to the app first. And we're going to be including some of his great work 
for mobile wallpaper purposes. So be on the lookout for that as well. If you want to listen to MTR at home or on your computer or even on your mobile device, besides the app, you can listen on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, the Zune Marketplace, also via Mixler, which simulcasts on our Facebook fan page. You can also listen to it via the player on the listen button on mytakeradio.com. And of course, you can always call in and listen over your, you know, over the phone. Just don't press the number one so you don't end up in the guest queue. That's it. We are out of here. I will see you guys next week. Thank you all for tuning in. And what's going to take us out this week? Who knows? But we'll know in a few seconds. I guess that with The Dark Knight Rises being the last story that we discussed, we're going to put up the track from Artificial Fear, which was his interpretation of Batman. Enjoy. Mm.